Good evening, New York sports fans. I am Danielle McCartan. Danielle in the daytime, or perhaps Danielle at dinner time, and I'll be talking all things New York sports with you up until 10 p.m. tonight. Paul Rosenberg and I are coming to you live from the Carton and Roberts studio here in Lower Manhattan, and we are working on a weekend like usual. And welcome to my normal overnight listeners. I see you guys. And the brand new sets of ears that are tuned in. The phones are working this week. That's good news. You guys know the number. It's already pre-programmed into your phones, I'm sure. 877-337-6666. And as always, we will load them up with your best content. Only I'll tell you now, if you cannot get through, you guys can tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I will pull that up right now. Some good ones. Get read live on air. And oh, man. The New York Yankees. Leonardo, Donatello, Raffaello, Michelangelo, and now the newest hero in a half shell, Bronxy. That's right, the New York Yankees are... Eight and three since Nestor Cortez Jr., of course it was Nestor, convinced the team to adopt a team mascot, a turtle that they named Bronxy. Fits right in with all the other four, doesn't it? Actually, the Yankees swept the first two series after the turtle arrived in the clubhouse not long ago, the Rangers and the Red Sox. And the Yankees even wore t-shirts before Friday night's game with a cartoon Bronxy on the front of them. And as much as everyone wants to label Bronxy as the Yankees' secret weapon, they were really hoping for some extra turtle power from him and from the Yankees today. Spoiler alert, it didn't happen. The Rays absolutely embarrassed the Yankees, demolished the Yankees, whatever you want to say, at the stadium today in game 161 on 161st Street. I mean, all you have to do is just look at the box score. 19 hits, 12 runs, 5 home runs for the visitors today. In fact, the Rays, for the first time in their history... Hit the 100 wins mark. Great for them. Great for them. This game, the only game in the entire league with a 1 p.m. start time today, by the way, was over by the 14th batter of the game for the race. That batter was Brandon Lowe. Wow. Who has killed the Yankees all season long and today was no different. At the time that this game was, in essence, over, he uncorked his second home run of the game to push the score, the 6-1 to one raise. That was not only the turning point of the game, but it was the point of no return for the Yankees. But after that second home run by Lau, I indicated in my notes, why no mound visit after that? As Montgomery was huffing and puffing on the mound. Then the very next batter, Mike Zanino, took a 1-2 pitch straight down the left field line and into the seats. 7-1 to one Race. I also indicated in my notes, still no mound visit. Jordan Montgomery was allowed to be left huffing and puffing, trying to figure everything out all on his own on the island in the middle of the diamond without a life vest. Forget about pulling him at that point to go to this beyond hyped up bullpen, which has been pretty good. That would have been the right move, yet they left Montgomery in. And had the Yankees come back from that deficit 7-1 to at the time, it would have been the Yankees' biggest comeback of the season. But it didn't happen. Not to be outdone by Jordan Montgomery, the Yankees' bullpen followed up with an implosion of its own. 
They allowed 15 hits, one, five, in six and a third innings. Lau, by the way, finished with three home runs. And I'm not even sure why they continue to pitch to him. Actually, as I was driving in, John Sterling had even definitely inadvertently come up with his own little home run call for Lau. He said something, the sentence ended with Lau, and then he said, wow, Lau. John Sterling, there he is, inadvertently coming up with home run calls for the other team. The top third of the Rays order went 8 for 15 with four runs scored. Nice. And to think that this Yankees lineup could not muster anything against Shane Bass, making his third major league start ever. Quite mind-boggling. The Yankees in total had four hits today. Four. Did you ever think that the Yankees season would have such an emphasis on game number 162? Brett Gardner said after the game, sounds about right with the way the season has been going. Well, I don't know, because here I am with a bottle of champagne right here in my hands, ready to pop it live on the air. Because I thought the Yankees were going to win today. Shame on them for having to rely on the Nationals and the Orioles to do their dirty work. I mean, of the five teams with the worst winning percentages in the entire league, those are two of them. And here's a live look in. Let's see. Uh, I'm pulling up the MLB.com website right here real quick. Live look in to the Toronto Blue Jays score, and it is final. Toronto 10, Baltimore 1. Nope. And there go any chances of the Yankees clinching tonight. So I'm going to have to go put this back on ice and uh, maybe use it tomorrow because who even cares? Who cares what happens in the Angels and Mariners game tonight? Don't stay up late to watch because it doesn't matter at this point. The Blue Jays beat the Orioles. Now the attention shifts to the Red Sox and what they're able to do to try to overtake the top wildcard spot. And if we have a live look into the to the Red Sox game, the Nationals actually just broke up a no-hitter. Yes, a combined no-hitter for the Boston Red Sox was just broken up by the Washington Nationals. Boston is leading, of course, one to nothing. And they're in the seventh inning. Brett Gardner said after the game, we got embarrassed today. I'm disappointed in the way we played today. Hopefully tomorrow will be better. You know, as he said that, it reminded me of the Zach Brown song, Colder Weather. You guys know it? He says, maybe tomorrow will be better. Can I call you then? That's what I thought of. Maybe, hopefully tomorrow will be better. I mean, I guess the good news with tomorrow's impending game is that the Yankees are guaranteed no worse than Monday's tiebreaker game to see who gets to play at Fenway. Theoretically. But you don't want to play in a tiebreaker game when you had not one, but two win and in-game opportunities. The Yankees could avoid that worst-case scenario tomorrow with a win. And I'll get to open up this bottle of champagne for it. The Yankees control their own destiny tomorrow, as they did today. They just couldn't get it done today. And Gardner, after the game, said, we just got beat today in all facets. Oh, he got that right. I'm going to say something, I think, that is going to upset a lot of Yankee fans. Because I'm not on the air tomorrow. I'm not on until next Saturday. I'm going to tell you that if the Yankees cannot beat the Tampa Bay Rays in a one single time in a weekend series, in two potential win and in games, I don't think the Yankees deserve to be in. 
They were destroyed. They were murdered. Whatever past participle you want to use today at the stadium. And guess who awaits them in the ALDS? The Tampa Bay Rays. The Yankees are 7-11 against them this season, and that includes today's must-win game. The Yankees, uh, the Rays just look like a far superior team today and throughout most of the season. And let's not let this off the hook. Let's not let this slide. Aaron Boone turned to Albert Albreu on Friday night with his 36 innings of experience at the major league level in the biggest, most highest leverage spot in the entire season. Our oldest Chapman, who's been an adventure, remained in the bullpen. Why? Why did he do it? This morning, Boone said that that all of as of this morning, all of the pitching options were on the table, even the guys that have pitched on three consecutive gate, days. So why did he do it? Why not just go to Aroldis Chapman and roll the dice with him? You're closer. We would not be having this debate of who's pitching tomorrow on short rest or not, who would get the play-in game, who would get game one on the ALDS if they, should they win that one. Had the Yankees been able to shut it down last night, had the manager, Aaron Boone, selected his closer over a guy with minimal experience in the big leagues, never mind, in a pivotal spot, not only in that game, but in the entire season. Don't forget about that move by that manager in that particular situation. The Yankees needed this game. And Aaron Boone would not commit to a starting pitcher for tomorrow's game, but it has to be Garrett Cole. That's why he's here. That's why they pay him the big bucks. He's coming off an awful outing in his last start. He gave up five earned runs on nine hits. And guess what? The Yankees lost six to five. We'll talk about Garrett Cole and how he pitches on short rest coming back from the first commercial break immediately after this monologue. It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. Yeah. We've come a long way. The Mets. From where we began. Oh, I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. The Mets. They're going to have to wait until next spring to see. The Mets play again in Queens. The fans are, are, are it's over. It is done. They were going to have to wait until next spring to see the Mets. The Mets are wrapping up their final two games in Atlanta about, I don't know, an hour from now and tomorrow in a Sunday matinee. That's it. The season is over. The Mets are were mathematically eliminated last Sunday. And what a disappointing season was for them. It started with the Mets being blessed with the good fortune of having the richest owner in all of baseball purchasing their team. And it ended with the team playing largely irrelevant baseball through the month of September. In fact, this 2021 Mets team actually made history. There hasn't been one single team in the entire history of Major League Baseball that has spent as much time in first place, 103 days, and has finished with a losing record. The Mets are the first team to be part of that conversation that no one actually wants to be a part of. And it seems that just a few short months ago, the Mets were mock celebrating a World Series win on the field in Port St. Lucie, Florida. You guys remember that? When they were channeling the secret? Because if you truly believe in something and you envision it happening, it's going to happen. 
Their belief in that theory, the secret, was evidenced by the Mets tossing their gloves in the air and jumping on each other in the middle of the infield to celebrate an imaginary World Series victory in March. In retrospect, that might have been the happiest day of the Mets season, full of optimism and high expectations. Instead, last Sunday, as a mathematically eliminated team, they watched from the visiting dugout of American Academy Field in Milwaukee as the Brewers celebrated their clinching the NL Central with an 8-4 to win. And when you think about all the things that happened in, in Mets land this season, it was quite tumultuous. Their scumbag general manager, Jared Porter, was put on the MLB's ineligible list for the entire season before the season even began. Jeff McNeil and Francisco Lindor couldn't decide which animal there was in the clubhouse to explain their fight. I think they settled on raccoons, right? Then the acting general manager admitted that he knew about the extent of Jacob deGrom's injury live on the SNY broadcast hours before the trade deadline, and yet he did nothing to address it at the deadline for a team that was literally in first place at the time. Then you had Sandy Alderson saying that Jacob DeGrom's injury healed itself, and DeGrom literally jumped into the stands in Miami to duck the media the following day. Acting GM Zach Scott was then arrested in White Plains, busted for driving while under the influence, and all of that with the undercurrent of and the threat of public criticism on Twitter from the team's owner. And as of right now, there are no vacancies of which to speak in Mets land. Everyone is still in place. Luis Rojas and Sandy Allerson, I know, are both on the get-out-of-town list for Mets fans. But right now, the Mets have two more games to play, and both of those men are still employed. I mean, Sandy Allerson said as much in a press conference the other day. He said, decisions on the manager and coaches will be made after the season. I hope as soon as after the season as possible. I always think that's the best practice. Well, I agree with that. So for now... And I hope that next week is a different conversation. But for now, we can look at it like this. Sometimes the answer to the following questions can be different. Other times they can be the same. Do Rojas and Alderson deserve to be given another chance in New York? Will they be given another chance? And also, I'll have a special live send-off for the New York Mets after this at 640. If you're a fan of the show, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Jets and Giants, they have found themselves already in quite the bad romance with their team so far this season. It is bad football. It is terrible football every single week. I mean, really, how miserable do you feel while watching either or both of these two teams lose every single week? It's like, would you rather have no chance and get blown out every week like the Jets, or would you rather play well enough to keep it close and then lose on a last-second field goal like the Giants? I know you know it. Every week after the game on Twitter, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, I ask you to reply with an emoji to describe your team's play. For both the Jets and the Giants, I get responses with the poop emoji, the coffin emoji, the white flag emoji, the skull and crossbones one. I mean, among dozens of others with the same connotation. And we're only through week three. This cannot go on the entire season, can it? I mean, someone actually replied with last week, 
You've been asking for these for two seasons so far. Have they ever actually been positive? Well, on the rare occasion where one of the teams wins, yeah, they actually have been. Mostly. Both of our New York teams, the Jets and the Giants, are playing sloppy, gross football that, in general, by halftime has you, the viewer, switching to the other game, in general. Whichever other game is on, whichever other teams are playing. And then when you flip to that other game, how beautiful does it look? Offensive linemen picking up rushers, receivers that actually catch footballs, quarterbacks that are not constantly under siege. I mean, we are living in a reality, everybody, that these two teams, the Jets and the Giants, could be dead and buried by Halloween. I mean, we're New York. How have Both of our football teams have been relegated to being the teams that people pick against in their survivor pools. The Jets versus whoever, I'm taking whoever. The Giants versus whoever, I'm also taking whoever. The Jets and the Giants are winless so far this season. 0-6. Maybe October will bring them better luck? Because from NFL Network's Mike, I know they say Garofolo, but in Italian it's Garofolo. He said on Twitter, over the last 10 seasons, the New York teams are 20 and 49 in September. This is the both of them, with just one winning opening month for each team in that span. The NFL's biggest market, two teams irrelevant before October again. Now, that is according to NFL Network's Mike Garofalo. Take the Jets first. They've been outscored 51 to 6 over their last two games. 51 to 6. Listen, I am the conductor of the Zach Wilson is a young kid with growing pains train. But where has there been improvement? They are the worst in the league in points per game. 6.7, by the way. They are the least efficient team in the league. And the Jets have the second worst total QBR. But are you ready for this one? Please make sure you're sitting down. Please make sure you've got your flashers on if you're driving. I don't want you driving off the road. Are you ready? The Jets are the only team in the National Football League that has not led at any point in any single game this season. That is not even mind-blowing. It's mind-numbing. And the Giants, they're not much better. Yet their issues are more covert. They have huge names on both the offensive and the defensive sides of the ball. Huge names, good players, might I add. And yet they can't seem to scratch out a win, these Giants. I know that they could just be easily two and one if it if it weren't for those last two uh, second you know the field goals right at the end. I know, but you are what your record is. They're winless, zero and three in the into the first week of October. It's October second. You know, John Mara was booed during the Eli Manning jersey retirement and the Ring of Honor induction ceremony. The Post reported that when Mara returned to the press box, which I've seen him in there before, actually, he came. He stood next to me during a thunder and lightning delay one time. I was looking out the window at all the people still filing into the stadium, and he right was to the left of me. He walked right up to the left of me and was looking at the same thing I was. And he, he's a presence in that press box. But the other day, Mara told a small group of reporters, he said, I would boo too. We're 0-2 and down at the half. I mean, at least he gets it. Of course, Saquon Barkley was asked about it, and he responded, I don't think that's fair to Mr. Mara. He's done a great job. What's he supposed to say about the guy that gave him the okay to draft him at number two overall? I mean, how many times do Giants fans have to be told this week Barkley will break out? No, actually, it's this week that it will be his breakout week. I mean, it gets old. Barkley on the season so far, on the season, 
134 rushing yards, 56 receiving yards, and one touchdown in three games. And the question is now, where does one allocate the blame? Is the Giants' abysmal start on the head coach? Is it on the defensive coordinator? Is it on the offensive coordinator? Or is it on the player's inability to execute the game plan? Is it a combination of all of those things? Let me tell you something. The Kenny Galladay yelling at Jason Garrett on the sideline incident, coupled with three straight losses and the potentiality of a fourth? I think if the Giants drop this game to the Saints in that same lame duck, vanilla offensive scheme, I think Joe Judge is going to shift all the way to self-preservation mode. And I think Jason Garrett will be the first domino to fall in Giants land after that Saints game, if it's a loss. So backing up, zooming out, and looking at week four. Can either of these two teams win this weekend? Well, both games are at 1 p.m. The Jets opened at seven and a half point home underdogs. That's moved to six as of this afternoon when I looked. And the Giants opened as eight point road underdogs. And has moved to seven as of this afternoon when I looked. Will either of them deliver a W to the starving New York football fans tomorrow? I'll have my picks coming out throughout the course of the show tonight. So let's get it going. I have set the dinner table for you. Can't wait to talk with you guys. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan at Dinner Time on The Fan in New York City. Be part of the show. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Baby, bet. Hey, Cobra X, hey. Welcome back to Danielle at dinner time here on the fan in New York City. And I just checked, came across it. The Yankees have named a starting pitcher for Sunday's game, and that name is Jamison Tyone. Jamison Tyone is going to get Sunday's game versus the Rays. I, I don't know. I guess they spelled Garrett Cole wrong. I guess they didn't opt for him on short rest. That's why Garrett Cole's here, to get them into these games, to get the, the win in these games. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. So how is the Yankees' ace on short rest? I mean, this is what I would have done. Almost exactly one calendar year ago was the only time he's ever pitched on three days rest. He threw over 90 pitches in five and a third innings with nine strikeouts and allowed just one hit, which was a home run to Austin Meadows in the fifth. With two outs. And how the Yankees do in that game? They lost 2-1. to one. Not great. Maybe that's what they're looking at. Jamison Tyone, who is coming off the ankle twice. This is, I get the first start since the second ankle injury. Jamison Tyone, who is going to get Sunday's game with the Rays. You have to imagine he is going to have a short, short leash with that bullpen of the Yankees. Now Michael King is unavailable. Boone said it after the game. And Tyone is set to take the mound. All right, we've got a bunch of Yankees calls on hold, and I will go in the order that you guys called, and you guys know that. And if you want to get aboard, it's 877-337-6666. If you can't get through, you can always tweet me, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. All right, let's go to Lane in Valley Stream. You are up first. You are a leadoff uh, batter um, tonight. Hello, I'm Daniel um, Carter. Um, just want to say, I mean, why? What? Okay, I have some questions I want to ask you. Yes. Number one, 
I don't know what to say about the Nets. You know, I'm upset. You know, I mean, they sort of won. You know, they're hitting. Why do you think they're not going to go to the playoffs? You said the Mets? Yeah, and also the... Lane, Lane, you waited 25 minutes on... 32 minutes on hold to ask me why the Mets are not making the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, because... uh, I'm like, why do you think they haven't had a chance to win in two years? Uh, They've had a manager that... I mean, the Mets... Thanks, Lane, for the call there. The Mets have issues that uh, stem from the the front office and their decision-making and putting people in those positions in the front office, and it trickles all the way down. I mean, for example, this season, Jacob DeGrom, the last game he pitched was on July 7th. They didn't have their number two, supposedly, Noah Syndergaard, until, what, last week? Those are their number one and number two starters. Okay, there's that. You had Francisco Lindor, who was probably the most underperforming Met this entire season, along with Michael Conforto. I mean, let's just pick. Let's just pick a problem as to why the Mets didn't make the postseason this year. And a manager that, I don't know, at at times looked like he didn't have a stranglehold on the clubhouse. First-time manager was last year, by the way, managing uh, the Mets through a a pandemic-shortened season. And then this year, in his first full season, I didn't really do it for me. And then they picked they picked the wrong cub at the trade deadline. We can talk about Javi Baez if you want. It was the wrong cub. They should have picked Chris Bryant, and they didn't. I mean, it just here, let me put them all in a hat and then just take a pick. Take your pick as to why the Mets didn't make the postseason. And here we are with the Yankees. Might you know they they might be having a short exit out of the postseason. Let's just put it that way. They've got Tyone on the mound tomorrow. Boone did not to commit to somebody directly after the game. But it's Tyone. Jameson Tyone's getting the start Sunday versus the Rays. Robbie in Phoenix, Arizona. You're up on the fan. Yes. uh, Can we fire Boone now, please? Well, see, that's the conundrum, right? So if the Yankees don't make the— Can we fire him now? Yeah. No, you can't. You can't fire him now. I don't know if that's being facetious. But you cannot fire him right now. No. Well, I was being facetious. Um, um, He's the worst manager I've seen in uh, my lifetime. Um. He's just awful. I would say he's the Inspector Clouseau of professional baseball right now. Um, he's in over his head. He's unconsciously incompetent. He doesn't even know how bad that he is. In fact, I think he's so bad, Mickey, Mickey Calloway is Billy Martin. Oh, man. That All right, so, Robbie, Robbie, you're, I know you're a great caller here. Give me what is the biggest instance that bugs you in a decision that Aaron Boone made? Tell me one. Why is Jermaine in there yesterday? Who? Can anyone? Oh, Herman. Herman. Domingo Herman. Yeah. Why was Herman in in there yesterday? He hasn't pitched what since the end of July. It made no sense. Zero sense. I mean, he doesn't know what he's doing. I think, here's what the Yankees need to do. They need to get a real baseball man that knows how to work a bullpen, and the players have regressed. Labor has regressed. Sanchez is terrible. They've regressed under this man. You can't say they've gotten better under Aaron Boone. No. They've gotten worse. Yeah, you know what? And, and Robbie, thanks for the call. The Yankees, um, he inherited a stacked team. Let's just put it that way. Aaron Boone inherited a stacked New York Yankees team. The Baby Bombers. Remember all that? Remember all that, everybody? Right? Then 
they did some crazy things where they moved Glaber Torres to shortstop. You mentioned Torres, so we'll talk about we'll talk about Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres as a second baseman this season has played there 17 games and oh, poof like magic. We talked about it here. You shouldn't be surprised. In those 17 games, and this did not count today's game, 317 batting average, six extra base hits, six RBIs. Whose wonderful, great, genius idea was it to put Glaber Torres at shortstop? And yet, I would like to know whose great idea was it to move him back to second base? I want to know. I want to know whose decision it was to do that move. Because he's been good in those 17 games since then. Why not do it sooner? And, and, and Robbie, I would have pointed to Abreu pitching in the bottom of uh, the top of the ninth inning on Friday night over Aroldis Chapman, the closer. What kind of message does that send to the closer that he's not going to get in and close that game? About the confidence level he has in his closer. It's non-existent, clearly. Clearly. And he got Jamison Tyone. Ready for this? He uh, has faced the Rays twice this season. Two times. Tyone is 0-2 with a 6.52 ERA. Uh-oh. Kevin and Camden, you're up next on the fan. I'm back. What's up, Coach? You're back, Kevin. Doing a show. I want to talk about the Yankees. Yeah, let's do it. This, this, start, this bad news even started before this game, which was... Horrendous. I'm not even going to get into detail about this slop that I witnessed today. Um, but DJ LeMayu is a sports hernia. So the bad news is already starting yeah. before the game. Yep. Oh. And, and Kevin, and also too, thanks for bringing that up because that makes me think of the strength of this Yankees team. You know, listen, maybe they're going to have to play that playing game and then they're not going to be at full strength versus you know versus the, the, the Rays for that next series. And then you got DJ LeMahieu with the sports hernia taking a, a shot, a cortisone shot before the game. He They said he might have been available today and he was and he didn't play today. I mean, it's yeah. just, and Aaron Judge, his finger is pointing and his pinky finger is pointing left instead of straight up, dislocated it, jammed it back um, in at second base. I mean, come on. This is like the walking wound in here. I don't know. It's just better, and I and and it's maybe make me sound like a bad fan or whatnot. But it's better. Maybe we just put us out of our misery now because I think it's better now. Get it over with now. Get all the anger. Get all the angst out now because we win this game tomorrow. We get in. We win the wild card game. And what to play the Rays again? Yeah, five games. Yeah, they're not going to beat the Rays in five game series. Mm -hmm. Uh, Better just to get the Yankees season over with now. I hate to say it, but then you get it over with now and just. Deal with whatever happens afterwards. But Listen, I, I, I got to talk about the um, Giants and Jets because I, I missed last week. Yeah, well, Kevin, let but me just this, make let me just follow up on that too because yeah. and then the question that then becomes if you just get it over with now as you, as you suggest, mm-hmm. isn't that a cleaner break from the manager and po- potentially the GM? Isn't that a cleaner break? Eh, that's true, and they don't deserve one. Right. Either one, <laughs> especially but you, you know how I feel about Boone. Oh, great move! Great move using Michael King today because oh yeah, you you have to you need a, you need all hands on deck for tomorrow. But yep. now nah, let me use let me use Michael King today so he's not available for tomorrow. Oh, just give me a break. And Jamison Tyone, please. I, I I was questioning the move when we got him. We didn't give up nothing to get him, and now I see why. Because you know why? He's not that good. Mm, and now in the biggest game of the season, you. You you do that really? You can't even use Garrett Cole on short rest. What was it? Nine years and three hundred and thirty million. Yeah. Please, 
Yeah. I guess, know, come on, you you gotta know what you're doing. I mean, come on. I guess they're banking on the on the playing game on Monday. That'll it, that'll be Cubs game. It's gotta be. And I gotta talk real quick about football. Yeah. I I gotta be honest. Both teams are done. I told you a few months ago, I didn't want Jason Garrett back. Unfortunately, I was right. Mm. I come home from my vacation, which I my, I enjoyed very much. First thing when I come on the TV, I turn my TV on. First thing I see, Evan Ingram fumbles the ball. Like, I walk in the door, I turn on the TV, I see that phone, I'm like, you know what? My part of me is like, let me just turn this game off now. But now I watch the rest of that garbage. And then I watch the check game. It's not much better. This, this fo- our football is in a sad state right now. And, I, and New York sports in general is in a sad state. And I'm at the point now, I'm just so depressed. Because New York used to be great. What the heck happened to this city, man? Kevin. Just saying, what happened? Come on, New York, get with it, please. I'm just saying. Kevin, so, love the passion. Yeah. Excellent call. And Thanks, Coach. for all the Mets fans out there, I'm holding something in my hand right now. You hear it? I've got a, 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 a send-off for the Mets into their offseason. Coming up next on The Fan. The Fan is on your smart speaker to listen to the home of New York sports. Just say, hey, Siri, play WFAN. Welcome back to Danielle at dinner time here on The Fan. I promised you guys this weeks ago, I've got a special send-off for the Mets into the postseason. Mets were mathematically eliminated from contention for a postseason between right now and the last time I talked to you guys. So, their season is done, finished, finito. I've picked up this trumpet, which I have right here in my hands since fourth grade. I've even been challenged. I've never relinquished my hold on first chair until I graduated high school. I was even in the marching band. I led the entire band of 200 people onto the field for the Fighting Huskies. But with that said, you guys, it's been a while since I picked this up to play for anyone other than my dog who hides whenever she sees it come out of the case. So my embouchure is not all what it used to be in those days, but it's only fitting that I send the Mets off to the offseason as uniquely as I know how. And the Giants and Jets better be careful. They might get this treatment soon, too. But only because the Mets are now, meth- obviously, mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. I've created a, a little overlay of some notable quotes that I've just compiled over, like, this morning. From Rojas, Conforto, from Nemo. I'm going to pick up my trumpet. I'm going to play taps for you guys and for the Mets to officially send them off to the offseason. This is a, a year... That with the disappointment that we had, especially at the end of the year, it's not what we wanted. It's not what I wanted. Of and I thought I could have done a better job as well. We're trying to soak it in and enjoy these people and these last couple of games because we don't know what the future holds and we don't know what this offseason looks like. And maybe it's just, it's just love. It's mutual. I've loved every second of being out there on the field. I've loved the interaction that I've had with the fans. How did I do? How did I do? Tell me. That wasn't that bad, actually. That was good. That was solid. did okay, right? I'm not saying I was expecting bad, but that was not bad. (laughs) I got a little lost on the little high note there, but I hate that. I did it. Yeah, no, that was was solid. That was solid. Thanks. Right. It it wasn't a one. It wasn't a 10. Okay. It was solid. Like a, it was really like, good. Like a 7? 
Yeah, I can, I, I, you can sell me on a seven. Okay. Seven solid. <laughs> For someone who hasn't done that in yeah, years. It's been years. years. Yeah. Playing taps on the radio, standing up. I like, know. It's not. Easy. That, that was the biggest I told you on the break. This is the biggest audience I, I ever played for. I, I'm, I was a little nervous, but we did it. We got through we it. We got through it. Yeah. And the Yankees better watch out. I might be bringing this back next week, <laughs> this time next week. <laughs> Hopefully for the Yankees, their offense gets in order. That's what seems to be the big thing for me is they can't hit. They stopped hitting the last two days. Four hits today. I, I know, and people are going to get crazy about the 12 runs. It's not the 12 runs. It's the two runs that they scored. Yeah. They can't hit. Yeah, it's the two home runs by Lau. How's that? Put the game out of reach. Awesome. Thanks. Appreciate that ball. Thank you. All right, let's go in the order that you guys call. Robbie in Lennox, you're up next on the fan, Robbie. Daniel, thanks for taking my call. It's great to talk. The last time we talked together was about a month ago yeah. when, the, when the Yankees blew a huge lead to the Baltimore Orioles. I was just telling Rosie, look at the Yankees' record in their own division. I don't know if they have a winning record against any of these teams. Do they have a winning record against Toronto? I'm not quite sure. I have the what answer for you. I what, have the what, answer what, for you. The only okay. team that the Yankees have a winning record against in their division? Baltimore. Yeah, 11-8. and eight. Okay, that's just sum it up for you right there. Yes. This is the most overrated team in the history of baseball. First of all, you mentioned before about Tyon pitching tomorrow with a six ERA and two starts. Almost seven. You know, I'm Gary Cole. Okay, I'm walking up to Boone. I'm saying, give me the damn ball. Pay me $30 million. It's just nonsense. Okay, Gary Cole should be getting the ball tomorrow. Right? The thing is that when you have a team that takes as bad in the bats as the Yankees do and doesn't put the ball in play, this is such an overrated team. Now, Stanton and Judge have had a terrific year, but yes. if you look at their numbers against Tampa, they're awful, okay? you got a you got a center fielder who's 38, you got no shortstop, and you got one of the worst defensive catchers who's just an awful at bat, and Boone last night pitching in Sanchez when Higgy's been pretty close yeah. in the past. Oh, yeah, that was Higgy. another thing. That was another thing. that I forgot to say that. Oh, are yeah. you kidding me? Sanchez cold off the bench is better than Higashioka? Come on. Right. Come Ridiculous. on. So, so Boone is bad enough. We know about the, the move last night, which was just ridiculous. We all know about that, how dumb that was, okay? But the thing of the matter, in fact, is that this team does not have one player even close to a 300 batting average. Rizzo has been terrible. I'm sorry. You know, we got a home run today. He's hitting 248. Glaber's hitting 250 or 260, whatever he's hitting. Okay, LeMay's had a terrible season. So the matter of fact is that they've beaten up the Central Division and the Western Division that stink. This is an overrated team. Next year, go get me a center field. Maybe Esteban Florio. Let Anthony Volpe, if he's ready, let him come up and play shortstop. I want to see the kids, but I really, I'm really tired of Cashman. He's put together for the last 10 years one of the most mediocre staffs when the Dodgers are going out and getting yes. Scherzer yes. and signing a guy. Um, you know, I know he's been hurt this year, but I mean, when you went out and signed Bauer and you have, and you have probably the best pitcher in the world in, in, in Walker Bueller, and then you have, you know, obviously Kershaw, I don't know if he's hurt right now. When you have that type of pitching staff and you have, you know, Garrett Cole and a cloud of dust every year, I mean, it's ridiculous. Now, it's not Boone's fault or Cashman's fault that Sevy got hurt, but look, this team has had no pitching depth. You win with starting pitching. Go look at any championship team. It's all about starting pitching and timely hitting. Yes. And these guys are the worst timely hitting team of all time. I, I mean, just want to say one. Yeah. yeah how, about yeah. Today, how about today? Brett Gardner, uh, runner on third. It was a, it was, oh, had all the makings of a big inning, didn't it? It was yeah. uh, Gallo, right? Had the single. Yeah. Urshela yeah. had the, uh, the triple right. into the corner. Rosarena yeah. fell on his butt. Yeah, he's triple. Swinging 2 0. Like, he's swinging 2 yeah. 0 down 72. Yeah. How do you swing 2 0 down 72? Come on, man. I know I wrote that down. I was like, Come on, man. What is wrong with you? You're ahead of your time, Daniel. Let me tell you. I just want to mention one thing about the Giants. Yeah. It's not about Joe Judge, and it's not about Dave Gettleman, and it's not about the offensive coordinator, and it's not about the defensive coordinator. It is about John Mara, who has let this franchise sink into, into the, the pits of hell. It started with Jerry Reese and leaving him too long. It started with seven lousy drafts 
and it's just continued to be one dumb decision of hiring to one dumb decision of hiring. You can take any, you can take an entire organization, but if you don't have smarts at the top of the organization, mm-hmm. it's never going to work. And you can look at Daniel Snyder. You can look at uh, Sterling, the former uh, you know, owner of the Clippers. You can look at, and you can look at the Ford family in Detroit, and which I mean, the, the, the Lions don't even even touch the Super Bowl. So it all starts at the top. And John Mayer has done a lousy job. And hiring Dave Gettleman was was the biggest mistake. Eighteen thirty six over his tenure. It shows you exactly right there. And Daniel Jones. He's not a bad player. Can you win with him? Yes. But you got Saquon Barkley running out of bounds? What kind of nonsense is that? Can you turn the corner, Saquon? Are you that afraid with your ACL? I mean, that shows you exactly what, what the Giants are. When you're starting running back, is not running up the field. Yeah. And, when, and, and when Jason Garrett was hired, I called Joe and Evan that day, and I said, you got to be kidding me. And they said, well, he's a good offensive coach. I said, what, are you kidding me? Did anybody watch the last 10 years of Dallas Cowboys football in the lousy red zone? Their red zone, like last week, I'll give you an example. First down and goal to eight. Why did you, can't you just run the damn ball and just throw a little flare pass? I mean, keep it simple, man. That's what, I mean, you know, the Clappers got to go, man. Yeah. Let me tell you, if they want to make a move, that's the first thing I would do. Yeah, me too, Robbie. For time. I do a show on Tuesdays up here, uh, station up here in Western Mass. And I'm telling you, my monologue, I'm going to kill the Giants <laughs> or the Yankees. All right, send, send base, me a so. link, Robbie. Send me a link. I'll take a listen. <laughs> Absolutely. Good luck. Absolutely. I would certainly will. Thanks, Danielle. Right, thank you. And you know what, too, as you were pulling it up, I disagree slightly on that. And I know we have to hit break really quickly, but Daniel Jones is not being used in the way that he should be used. He has he has been green. He's been money. I'm looking at next gen stats right now in front of my face. He's been money on passes beyond 20 yards. His quarterback rating I'm talking about. I mean, up the middle he's a 149 quarterback rating on a pass over 20 yards up the middle. I mean, come on. Yet, yet you got Jason Garrett, and I'm looking at like the the scattergram here of the the the, the throws that he's thrown. Two attempts over 20 yards in week three. So add these up. So two, and he had two attempts over 20 yards in week two. Okay, that's four, and he had one attempt over 20 yards in week one. Five over three weeks, Daniel Jones has been allowed to wing the ball beyond 20 yards only five times. That those those in those zones, those are his. The home of Giants football and Yankees baseball is WFAN. 101.9 FM and the Odyssey app. Baby, do a leap and make them dance when it come on. Everybody looking for a dance, throw the run on. If you want to run away with me, I know a galaxy and I can take your boat all right. Welcome back to Danielle. I guess still at dinner time here in New York City. I just checked, took a, a look over my left shoulder. Oh my God, it is dark out. I can't handle this getting dark early thing. During the break here, you guys, I was doing a lot of... Uh, Twittering, a lot of tweeting with you guys on the break, wondering, you guys are wondering about why did the Yankees go with Tyone tomorrow? It seems to me as though the Yankees, um, I don't know, they, they kind of seem like they're strategizing in this way. And hear me out, maybe maybe this is their thought process. We'll play for Monday. We'll give Cole the ball on Monday in the play-in game. And um, and if Tyone gives us a, a the second coming of, of Jacob deGrom in his pitching performance tomorrow, then we get a bonus. I don't know. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, wouldn't you rather not play in that that playing game with with a team that's judged with his finger? What was it, Gallo and, and his hip and uh, DJ LeMahieu and his hernia? I mean, wouldn't you want as many off days as possible? I don't know. It's just me. I don't know. I would pitch my oh, my best pitcher tomorrow. That's what I would do. I don't know. I, this is this is. I, I can't get behind this. But you know what? 
Did you guys, did you guys, I saw it came across this on Twitter and, and it was apropos because it was just so perfect. Tropicana Field has a statue of, of Wade Boggs, life-size statue. He played for both the Yankees and at the time the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Life-size, he's wearing, it's a, he's like in a batting stance. He's got his helmet on, I guess batting gloves, whatever. There was no bat though. I guess the Rays had to take that bat out so no one used it as like, you know, a weapon. Obviously, he's in his batting stance, right? And you guys, go ahead. Put your arms like in a batting stance right now, right? You, 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 know, you listening right now. Arms in a batting stance. Some kid got his head stuck in the statue. I mean, his head, how do I explain? His head was stuck in between where like the V created by like your arms on a batting stance and, and like the chest of the Wade Boggs statue. That's where his head was caught in. I mean, the kid was definitely old enough to know better. That's for sure. And where were the kids' parents? I mean, probably taking the photo. They probably told them to do it. The kid's fine. They got him out. But imagine trying to explain that one. Yeah, uh, hi, uh, Tropicana Field Safety Patrol. Yeah, um, my little Johnny was taking a, a picture with a Wade Bog statue by Section 112. And I don't know, just somehow his entire head got stuck in the statue. Can you please send someone with some W40, WD40 to get it, get him out? Because he's really stuck. Thanks. Yeah, we'll, we'll wait right here. Come on. And now guess what? The, the poor t- statue of Wade Boggs has caution tape all over the spot where any normal person would not insert their head and upper torso. I'm telling you, all it takes is one idiot to ruin it for everyone else. I'm telling you. And a quick check-in to the Red Sox game right now. Let me see. I have the live feed on uh, MLB TV on my phone. We are in, or the Red Sox are in, the bottom of the eighth. Oh, look at this. The Nationals seem to have loaded the bases. Bottom of the eighth, one out. Bases loaded for the Nationals. We'll keep an eye on that. In the meantime, we'll go to the phones. Simon in New Haven, Connecticut, you'll kick off the 7 p.m. hour. What is up, Simon? Danielle, I've been, uh, I'm glad you had that caller, Robbie, on about what he said about Boone. I've been saying this for months and months now. Boone does not know how to manage. I've been saying this Girardi thing all over again. Yep. It's good to have people back me up on this. <laughs> right, come it's on. Good. I'm it, feels, with you. it feels like the Yankee master has finally got, made some progress with his children. I mean, and Brett Gardner today, when he had his press conference, he proved to me why he's the Forrest Gump of this team. Well, uh, I popped up. He always pops up. He's the Forrest Gump, ground out pop-up. I've been saying this all along now, and it's good to have people back me up. And also, Danielle, I have a little uh, song for you, for the Mets, you know, that might go with your trumpet if you give me a second. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Da, 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 da. Oh, the Mets are done. The Mets are done. I'll be a son of a gun. The Mets are done. They choke every year. Isn't it queer? The Mets are done. I told you so. Whoa, wow, Simon. I got to get and, my you know, trumpet. You know what else, Danielle? Yeah. I, I want to say something about Judge. The guy is a gift from God, and I want to make a personal plea out there to all my Yankee people. Vote for him to be the Yankee captain next year. Vote for him. Vote, I love the guy. Vote for Judge. Uh, that reminded me, Simon, and great call there, Simon. That reminded me of uh, my mind just flashed to the movie Napoleon Dynamite and vote for Pedro on the T-shirts. Let's vote for Judge. Sure. And then, oh, yeah, I got some tweets from you guys, too. Oh, the Mets have been done for a while. No, they were not mathematically eliminated till Sunday. Okay? And I, and I haven't seen you guys, heard you guys, talked to you guys since then. So that's why I brought it tonight. Duh. Obviously, I know the Mets were done. They haven't been playing relevant baseball since, like, I don't know, the end of August. I know. I get that. Duh. Lou in Astoria, you're up next on The Fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? Great. How are you? Thank you for taking the call. 
Listen to me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give me a couple of minutes. I'll be quick. Uh, I want to also talk about the, the Jets and the Giants real quick. But as far as the, the Yankees is concerned, I've been telling you that I wish they would have never made the playoff because I want actually the GM to be gone and maybe they can make some drastic change, especially in that team, the Gallows of the World or Doors. I mean, all those guys, they, they shouldn't be in this team. It's a, it's a shame that you got to take number 13 and give it to a guy that's hitting 150 Wait, or no, 160, whatever. No, it's like it's like 199. Let me ask you something. No, I, but no, no. I'm talking about with the Yankees, uh, Daniel. He's hitting 160 with the with the Yankees. Let me ask you something, Lou. Because yeah, I, I thought about this today too. I did think about this as I'm sitting there. I'm like, his batting average flashed on the TV was like 199. Yeah, but so that's on the what season. It, but that's on the uh, season. Overall, right on the season. Okay. Yeah. So I'm sitting there. and I'm like, you know what? That that sucks. And then they they had a um, the camera from like I guess I don't know the the press box the broadcast booth right and looking out onto the whole field. Mm-hmm. They play four outfielders. That is how they play. How, how effective would any of the hitters be if they had a hit against four outfielders every single time they're at the plate? Exactly. This is why we need the starting Marte of the world to play for the Yankees. They wouldn't do that. You know what I'm saying? This is this is a problem. And you know you're a coach. I mean, Tampa Bay plays a game that if you got contact hitters, at least a few, this will never happen. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. We need a shortstop, okay? Mm-hmm. And we need Stanley Marte, and I want to get rid of uh, Glebo Torres and, and, and Boyd, maybe for Luis Castillo from Cincinnati. Anyway, let me, let me tell you about the, the Jason uh, last time that you were talking about a little bit. Sure. I, was, I watched the Giants, and it looks pretty watchable, okay? And then I go to the Jets, <laughs> and it's embarrassing, okay? Yeah. This is my team. So I said to myself, uh, as, as soon as the, the Rams and uh, Tom, uh, the, the back of Buccaneers started, I, I, I switched. Just like I used to do with Peyton Manning because my team, the Jets, they really stink. It's been embarrassing for so many years. So I want your opinion of it. First of all, Matthew Stafford is a better quarterback than Daniel Jones, okay? And I'm not going to mention Wilson because he's just a rookie, okay? He's learning right now. But, but our teams, the Giants and the Jets, do not supply our quarterbacks with great team. Then I saw the staffer, uh, which is about 34 years old, and I watched the Rams. Danielle, you put Daniel Jones with, with, with the Rams right now. Mm-hmm. He'd be 3-0. and mm-hmm. I know that Stafford is a better quarterback. I don't want you to, to embarrass me with that. But it's embarrassing to watch the classic Football, the way it should be played. Your well, thought on that? Yeah, you know what, Lou? I won't embarrass you there because I, I think we have differing opinions on Matthew Stafford, who is, by the way, a 12 year or 13. He's in his 13th season, by the way, right now. So there's a lot that he has already learned in those seasons, besides the point, right? I think we don't have to look at even Matt Stafford for this. You know where we can look? Anybody can look and point to this. How about good old the Carolina Panthers? 3 and 0. With Sam Darnold as their quarterback, you give him an offensive line. You, you give him a guy, a couple guys that can catch the ball. Nothing, you know, crazy. And you give him a running back that's actually a threat. And I mean, I, I feel like I, this is like deja vu. I, I talked about this like what two years ago. You don't have to look any farther than the Carolina Panthers to know and to prove your point, Lou. The current Carolina Panthers, three zero, a top. Excuse me, a top the NFC South. By the way. Above the Buccaneers, above the Saints, and above the Falcons. The Panthers. Tanya, I'm telling you, Sam Arnold, comeback play of the year. I'm telling you, I told you a long time ago. I can't find how to bet that, though. Can anybody help me out with that? I can't figure out how to bet that, and I should have done it before the season even started. And just a quick update on the uh, the Nationals game. 
Well, it's tied. They only mustered one run. One measly run. 1-1. Boston and Washington are tied. Top of the ninth. I'll keep you guys updated. Steve in Queens, you're up next on the fan. Danielle, how are you doing? Great, Steve. How are you? Uh, Well, you know, waking up Friday morning, I was doing pretty good. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not a complainer. I, I like to look at the glass half full. I was doing good. Okay. If we're talking Saturday night, where I am right now, I'm not doing so great. And at the same time, while I'm a huge fan of WFAN and all their listeners, I think they're great people. I think they're hardworking. I think they're blue collar. A lot of them have been calling up, and I'm not happy with them because here's the thing. The Yankee season for Steve in Queens starts late January. When we start in my neighborhood, counting down the days to pitchers and catchers. And then, and then spring training starts in mid-February, and then we start going from there. And then opening day, it's off to the races like the Kentucky Derby. And I'm, a, I'm in this team every single day. And then we get to late September, where we are now, is ups and downs, ups and downs, which makes people like me so emotionally just strong, not only with baseball, but also with other you know relationships and, and work and other things like that. It helps, it makes us stronger people. But I hear people call up and they say, you know, these crazy things about what they would do with the team. And I, I just like couldn't what? help Tell me one. I feel work. like I'm in a, do you want to lay on the couch here? I feel like I'm in a therapy session here. T- tell me one that makes you crazy. Well, here's the thing. When you talk with Stephen Queens, people say, you know what? That guy has his head on straight because he gets you to get it guy. Like, but, for instance. Yeah, give me a for instance, as my mom would say. A for, in- a for instance. Tell me. I heard a fan call up here tonight. He was like, oh, why is Brett Gardner swinging 2-0? and That guy clearly never played baseball. Because when you're 2-0, you let the dogs loose, and that ball is right down the middle. You swing, you go, let's go. Let's live life. Let's not put ourselves in a bubble and say, oh, let me see a strike. That's the worst thing you can do, not only in baseball, but in life, is let me see a strike. Because guess what? That strike that comes across is your one opportunity your one chance at greatness, your one chance at success, and if you let it go, you will never achieve what you want to do in life. Okay. And that is where... All right, so we are, Steve, we, we're kind of off the rails here, Steve. Um, listen, one pitch does not equal life. That's first. Uh, let's see. Brett Gardner, it was a four-seam fastball. I'm trying to get the where it was. It was at the top of the zone, a four-seam fastball. The first two, by the way, let's see. Uh, ball one, four-seam fastball. It was a ball out of zone up. Ball two, even farther out of the zone up. Brett Gardner swings at a ball in the zone up. That's the whole MO on that pitcher, though. He likes to live up. The Yankees have to, had to have gotten him to, to, to move down in the zone. Four-seam fastball in play. 92-mile-an-hour four-seam fastball in play. 2-0. You're down. An infinitesimal amount. I don't know if that's the right word. You're down infinity runs. You take it. I'm taking that pitch. I am. Sorry. Nothing I do with one swing in the bat is going to give us the lead. Make the guy come to me. Make him throw me a strike before I swing at something. 
because they, they he just came out of a mound visit, right? I'm looking at the here. Joey Gallo singled, Gio Urshela tripled, mound visit, one out, mound visit, two balls in a row. I'm waiting for him to come to me with a strike before I'm swinging the bat. And Gary Sanchez clearly didn't get the, the hint either because his next at bat was foul tip, called strike, out. In play, out. Again, on three straight, four seam fastballs. All of which, by the way, were out of the strike zone. All of them. So, no. I, I, in that scenario, like, listen, generally speaking, 2 0, pitcher's going to try to groove one. Generally speaking. But you're down by what was it? 10 runs at the time, whatever it was. And there was just a mound visit. You got a little momentum. You don't help him out. Ball one, ball two, see a strike, take a strike. Richard in Manhattan, you're up next on the fan. Danielle, you're so right about uh, Gardner. He shocked me today. That was the only time at 2-0, and one out, man on third. Yes. At 2-0, and that's the only time in the whole game that I thought the Yankees had a chance. That's it. He shocked me. Yep. Shocked me. Mm-hmm. I thought he would at least take one strike. You've yep. got to even take two strikes there. Let this guy throw you a strike. At first and third, we make it two runs this inning. That was terrible. Yes. And, and then why does Boone lift it, leave this guy in uh, uh, Montgomery? He saw that the kid didn't have it, yes. but he takes out Cortez yesterday at the slightest hint of trouble. Yep. Cortez went five innings, four and two-thirds, and gave up five hits, no walks. He was closing 64 pitches. Let the guy pitch. He pitches Abreu today, uh, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Abreu he sends down today. Yeah. In other words, we didn't even have confidence in him to right. keep him in the team. Exactly. But the most important game of the year, yes. he pitches him. Cole has to pitch tomorrow. No questions asked. He's got to win that game for them tomorrow. Well, I don't what? care Richard. how many days rest. He's making a million dollars a start. He's got to start the game tomorrow. Go Richard. six to seven. He's not. No it's, Tyone. Now, it's Tyone. It's Tyone. Richard, it's, it's Tyone tomorrow. Oh, Daniel, wait one second. Sanchez pinch hitting. Sanchez is not a good hitter when he's in the game and warmed up. Pinch hitting is difficult. Rusty Stop can do it. You've got to be a good pinch hitter. He's sending up pinch hitters, Boone is. 200 hitters for 200 hitters. I'd rather keep the guy that's been in the game already because at least he's warmed up. He knows what's going on. uh, Sanchez comes up pinch hitting and he's swinging at balls on the ground. The other night he sends up Voight as a pinch hitter. Voight is so discombobulated. He strikes out, runs to first when there's first and second. Umpire stops him and he twists his leg. I mean, he's not a natural pinch hitter. Don't send him up. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is the manager doing it. He's putting these guys in the wrong position. No good. No good. He he took out uh, Cortez yesterday too soon, so that's why he ran out of pitches at the end of the game. I would have put in Severino yesterday. It was that important. Mm -hmm. It was so important to get two or three innings from one pitcher yesterday. But he ran out and he put in Herman and Abreu. Did you know Abreu was still on the team, Danielle, when he came in yesterday? No, no, <laughs> no. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah, where did he come from? I, and then he, I said, mean, he got sent back down to today. The, I mean, I have nothing against the guy, but yeah. it's not fair. Right. I don't put down performance. I put down the decisions made by the management, whoever it is. Don't they see what we see as fans? No good. Yeah, Richard, no good. That's going to be like the new thing. No good. It's no good. All of those points are valid. All of them. We talked about Gary Sanchez already tonight. We talked about a Chapman... Keeping his butt in, 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 the, in the bullpen last night, Friday night. We talked about that, too. I mean, Voight, great point. We, that was a new one. We didn't bring that up yet. Yes, all of those are great points. All of them. 
could not have said it better myself. And by the way, hate to break it to you, Tyone's pitching tomorrow. It's not Garrett Cole. Amazing. And I've got the Boston uh, Boston Nationals game on. 1-1 tie. I uh, See, i got to give you my Jets and Giants predictions. I do. But I don't know. we got to keep this baseball going, too. Let me give you the Jets prediction coming up next on The Fan. Call The Fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. They're all living the devil may care. And I'm just a devil with love to spare. So Viva Las Vegas. Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> Paul and I were just talking about how much we love Las Vegas. And I was just telling him how um, when I went to Vegas, what's his name? Sam Darnold was a 17-1 to 1 to become uh, NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Now he's 8-1. to 1. So we're just, uh, just bonding over the commercial break on how much we love Las Vegas and our favorite things to do there. I did a new thing this time. As you guys know, I went to, uh, as you know, I went to uh, Chirka. Or I call it Chirka. Circa Pool in downtown. You got all the TVs, all the like, sports betting on the little kiosks and everything, pools, get tan. That, that was my favorite thing that I think I did this time around. Yeah, that's uh, that, that's a problem for me if I would ever <laughs> get out there full time. That that would that it would be a major problem. I mean, I would I can't do it full time. What am I lying? And now I'm <laughs> I now I've totally gotten into golf and golf out there. They have so many awesome yeah, courses do. out there that like the golfing would probably take precedence over a lot of the other vices that could be out in the, in the uh, desert. Yeah, for me it's the pool parties. I mean, pool parties are great, obviously. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I would never not go to a pool party, but. The the other thing I like golf is like taking over my life and it's um and I'd love to get out there at one point just check out Summerlin and a lot of the Vegas oh courses. I, that's I went there I went to the Aviators game I loved Summerlin yes oh yeah we got to compare some more notes dangerous I love Vegas I I've been out there I, I gosh uh, three four times I think yeah yeah three or four times I've been out there yeah I feel like you've been out there more than that. yeah it's once a year at least once a year once there. a year I mean. once a year yeah. Once you're getting out to the desert, not much better than that. If you, if you can, if you can like schedule your life around that to do it, take all advantage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have friends that live out there now. I've made friends. I've built a little community for myself out there. <laughs> yeah, and you know what else too? I didn't tell you on this, this on the break. I made a friend with Misha Tate. We're friends, and so today, October second, she was supposed to be doing a signing in New Jersey, and I was going to try to get her to be the in in studio guest, my first ever. She would have loved that, except she came down with COVID and... Yeah, they pulled her from the UFC yeah. card, right? Yep. She'll be back, though. I think it's mid-November, November, November yeah. whatever it is. I'm not totally into UFC. Obviously, I know who Misha Tate is. Yeah, yeah. That would, have been a, that would have been a nice guest. I know. I know. Next time. Yeah, we were hoping that... I was hoping. She was, too, that the fight was going to be at a Madison Square Garden, the next one. Oh, because that's the big UFC. Uh, yeah. I believe it's 268. I, I believe it's UFC 268, and that's the... Uh, Gosh, Hoffman's going to kill me if I don't get this. But I believe that's uh, <laughs> me too. Usman and Covington. I think that's the uh, the headliner of that card. I think it's Usman Covington. Yeah, well, next time, uh, next time, maybe she'll get out here then. Uh, I just I want to keep the Yankees thing going. We'll push the Jets to the side for a second because there's been a break in the Red Sox-Nationals game, everybody. The Red Sox have taken the lead with two outs in the top of the ninth. It started with the Vasquez triple. I mean... It was to the right field, center field gap. I got it on my phone, MLB TV. I'm watching it, too. Juan Soto got scared of the wall, wasn't even close, clanged off of it. 
Vasquez tripled, and then Shaw singled to deep left center. Vasquez scored. So we are looking at right now a score of Red Sox 3, Nationals 1. And the Red Sox are still batting, you know, so I guess they're still threatening. His runner on first with two outs. Ah, Nationals, you had one job. One job. Back to the phones. Let's go to Mike in North Jersey. Mike, North Jersey is a very big area. Where exactly are you, if you can tell us? Um, I'm in, uh, actually, I'm in Montclair. Oh, Montclair. Okay. Nice. Nice town. Yeah. Montclair is, yeah. Yeah. Nice of, a nice of fans management to put you on at seven in the evening instead of one in the morning, like <laughs> usual, right? Hey, hey. You know, I really <laughs> appreciate that. You I'm know, here. I just, yeah, exactly. Um, I just wanted to disagree with you and, and, and not on a, like a vociferous way, but just a little bit yeah. about Luis Rojas, if I may. I, I can handle it. Go um, ahead. Tell me. Okay. July 28th, and I was at the game with my two sons uh, that night. They beat Atlanta 2-1. It was a good game. It was tough getting out of there. They were 54 and 46 after that, after 100 games. Mm -hmm. And five games ahead of Atlanta just two months ago. And looking back, you'd have to admit, Danielle, that it was kind of a minor miracle considering what an un, you know, what what an underachieving bunch of overpaid yeah, prima right. donnas these guys turned out to be. <laughs> yeah. That was a miracle that they were, and nobody was calling for his head then mm -hmm. after a hundred games, and and rightly so. So did he become stupid and didn't know what he was doing over the last sixty-two? I don't think so, Danielle. I, yeah. I really don't. You know, yeah, but I, I just feel like, like, okay, yeah. like he was, he was the player's manager, right? He was, he was the guy that everybody loved. He was the player's manager, this and that. I think you have to be now, Danielle. Right, they won't sure. Hire you otherwise? Sure, I get yeah. it. I, you know, and I would probably not, not get a job. By the way, yeah, I know. That's I would, I would not get a job as an MLB manager. They wouldn't hire me, right? But <laughs> what I'm saying is that he was the player's manager. Yet when the thumbs down thing happened, he, he, yeah. didn't, he said he didn't even know what was going on. Like, wait a second. Hold on a second. Back up. He didn't know what was no, going he was on. Protecting the thirty-four million dollar man. You know that. Come on. You know. See, that's another problem, though. See, the thirty-four million dollar man knows where he's going to be next year and the next right. ten years after that. Right. You know. So his manager is in a completely subservient position. I mean that. I mean that's a that's a big problem. I you know from my perspective. Mm -hmm. But you see, I just don't, Danielle. I just don't think it was Luis Rojas's fault that. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. Jeff McNeil hit 250 instead of 310, and Conforto, I mean, by any stretch of the imagination, that's a miserable season by him. Boy, his agent must be very unhappy. Yeah, and, but you know, no, you know what, Mike? Boris can't be happy. Scott Boris, yeah. You know what? I have to say this. That's he, right. I'm sorry. That's okay. Luis Rojas, he is unfortunately going to be just a, I can't think of the word, a casualty. He's just going to be a casualty to this whole thing because guess what? The new GM is going to want to pick his well, own pick guy. His man. Yeah. That's it. And and yeah. unfortunately for Luis yeah. Rojas, that means he's gone too. I didn't think he did a bad job. I'm with you. He didn't do a terrible job. He did it. Really. Right. I mean, his players you failed know. him, as you outlined nicely. So um, it's just going to be a clean slate for the Mets moving forward and potentially as soon as Monday. Yeah, he'll probably get another job in the organization, though. That's what I'm thinking. He's been there a long time. Yeah, unless they demote it's, him, it's, unless well, he tries to go elsewhere. Maybe he thinks he still can be a manager. Maybe someone takes it. Who knows? I mean, we're about to enter yeah. the, the managerial carousel that maybe, you know, no one knows what's going to go on. So that's kind of why I don't like right. speculating, you know. Maybe he keeps his job. Yeah. I mean, it's not looking likely, though. Anyway. Right. I don't know. 
Well, you know, here's the other thing, too. You know, they, they talk about next man up and all that, yeah. you know, when, in, when injuries happen. But for a change, if, you're, if people remember, you know, they were winning DeGrom's games for a change. I think yes. they were like barely 500 through 60 starts coming into this season. By the way, they were 11 and 4 when he went down. Mm-hmm. You, you know, let's face it, Danielle, they weren't 11 and 4 in the 15 starts that he missed. Sure. So. He, you know, that, that injury more than, you know, and still, I, I, I don't think they were deserving. Like I said, I think, I think they were, you know, I, 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 I think they were really like, you know, sort of tip, tiptoeing through the raindrops to even be where they were for those three months they were in first place, mm-hmm. you know, but this idea that I've heard people say, well, you can't use DeGrom's injury as an excuse. I don't agree. No, I, I disagree, I, too. But the guy's the best pitcher in baseball. And thanks, Mike, for the call. He is the best pitcher in baseball. If you were without him from July 7th through, I don't know, now, October 3rd, tomorrow, the final game, I mean, th- that's a chunk of star. I mean, that is a huge blow to a team that, you know, was built and their strength was going to be their starting pitching. That's a huge blow to that team. Right? So then it put an emphasis on a bunch of batters, a bunch of hitters that, you know, at times were underperforming and and – weren't expected to do much anyway. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know how to say it. Like, like VR. Okay. Pillar, VR. I mean, these guys are not burning down the, the, the barns with their bats, right? Is that the expression? I can never get these freaking expressions right. But um, the strength of the Mets was going to be their starting pitching. Stroman pitched pitch great. I would renew Stroman if I were the Mets. I think they need to renew Stroman if I were the Mets. Oh, and by the way, uh, there's been an update. Uh, this game has finally gotten out of reach, I think, for the, the Washington Nationals. TK Hernandez hit a home run. It's now 5-1 Boston. Bad news for the Yankees. Bad news for the Yankees. Uh, yeah, we could do probably one more, right? We can do one more. Okay, let's go Paul in Floral Park. You're up next on the fan. Oh, Danielle. Oh, my God. The Yankees. Uh, you watched the game, didn't you? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Such a name drone dribble. Uh, now I, I, I sound like Robbie now. <laughs> yeah, I was screaming out the ba- uh, What's that? Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. It's crazy. I was screaming. Yeah, I was screaming out the the bedroom room window of my parents' bedroom after after Brandon Lowe hit the uh, third home run. What were you I screaming? Said, what what was coming out of your mouth, Paul? Keep it clean. Uh, <laughs> everything but the kitchen sink. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'll I, have to DM 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 it to you, <laughs> Paul. I saw the poll you put up, and now I can't find it. Can you retweet that poll for me? Paul put up a great poll. You guys, where was it? I can't find it. You oh see- oh oh uh, um. It was uh, uh, the what's going to happen to uh, what will I do if, yes, yes. if the Yankees not come back yes. from uh, the five-run deficit. Either I'm going to th- throw up or scream. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to retweet that. That, that. that made me laugh out loud. I was, I was driving in, so I couldn't really do much right. about it. But That's all right. That's all right. <laughs> I like it. Well, yeah. it was certainly yeah. a disgusting loss, huh? Oh, my God. I honestly got... I mean, I mean, I guess we got to wait for the Islanders and 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 the Knicks. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We'll see about yeah, that. Was, the Islanders should be yeah. pretty good. I don't know. I don't know about the oh, Knicks. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. To the hockey season, you know that. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you an update on the UBS Arena. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll give you a virtual. Uh, yeah. You're okay. gonna go tour it. Okay. You're gonna go in it. 
Uh, I mean, not uh, not inside it. I mean, st- oh, it's only five minutes from my house. Okay. Yeah. All right. Give me a tour. Take, take, yeah. take some pictures. Yeah, I'll retweet definitely. them for you. Yeah, and I'll show you my time. All right. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate that. To do that. All right. Awesome. Thank you, Daniel. Okay. All right. Take All right. care. Yeah, that, that's uh, Paul's a huge Islander fan. I don't know about the Knicks, you guys. But you know what I do know? I think I know how the Jets game is going to uh, to play out tomorrow. 877-337-6666. If you cannot get through, you can tweet me, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I'll go through some of them on the break, and, and maybe if yours is a good one, maybe maybe it'll see the, the, the air. It'll see the light of the air here on the fan. Okay? 877-337-6666 or at Coach McCartan on Twitter. All right. Jets prediction coming up next. The fan is on your smart speaker. To listen to the home of New York sports, just say, Okay, Google. Play WFAN. Turn up the lights, everybody. It's Danielle. I guess after dinner time here on the fan, oh, we got to work with a, a, a title for the show here at this time slot. I've been all over the place. Whatever time you got me, whatever time I'm in, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, but this is McCartan before midnight, Danielle after dinner. I, I don't really know. Um, but I, it's 745 on a Saturday night, and I would be remiss without offering um, my Jets pick for this week. And the Giants coming up soon. And I know you guys want to talk a lot of baseball. We'll do it. I promise you. So hang in there. Um, let me give you my Jets prediction. Let's get it on the record um, so that tomorrow you can't say, oh, well, you didn't give me a prediction yesterday. You had all the time to do it. You had four hours. Okay. So real quick. Winless Jets, 2-1 and one Titans, tomorrow 1 p.m. By the way, the Giants are on at 1 p.m. too. I hate when they do that. There are some notable, notable missing players on each side of the ball. It will affect the outcome of this game. Notable uh, outs for the Titans, A.J. Brown. Bud Dupree, Caleb Farley, and Julio Jones. I mean, those are four big-time dudes. Notable outs for the Jets. May, Moore, Jeff Smith. It's Crowder's return from the groin injury, from the COVID out, you know, out for COVID, whatever. And it's Denzel Mims' time. Mims, the 59th overall pick into the 2020 draft, is finally going to see some significant gameplay. He's had only three snaps in, in week one so far and two healthy scratches in the, in the two following weeks. So this is Mims' time to shine. And, and Salah said on Friday that he's going to get some opportunities. Hopefully he takes advantage of them. We're expecting him to. Okay. What's the issue with Mims? Hmm. So something that Robert Salah said on Friday made me immediately think of something. Here's the quote. And I want to see if you thought the same thing that I did when he said it. Salah said, we're more comfortable using Mims. It's gotten to the point where he doesn't even need to talk to the coach anymore. He's just out on the football field. He's getting himself lined up. I think, and maybe you think, maybe you agree with me, I think there are definitely some learning the playbook and study habit issues going on with Denzel Mims. You look at what Ryan Tannehill did last week, spread the ball around 10 different receivers, None of them caught the ball or were targeted more than four times, including Julio Jones. So it's going to be a long day for the Jets' defense guarding continuously fresh-legged Titans. I'll tell you that much. And what else do you think of when, when you think of the Titans? Derrick Henry. 113 yards last week. He might that, So the one lo, uh, lone bright spot for the Jets so far this season, their run defense is not terrible. I mean, 
They limit ball carries to under four yards per carry so far this season. That's pretty good. In any event, here's all you need to know for this game. Look no farther than Zach Wilson's season totals. Two touchdowns, seven interceptions, six yards per attempt, and a 55% completion percentage. It's probably because the Jets have allowed the most sacks in the league. 15. It's hard to even evaluate the kid. Wait, Wilson, not Darnold. Didn't mean to give anybody any flashbacks there. Plus, the Jets wide receivers cannot catch the ball. They are tied for seventh in the league in drop passes. Plus, Matt LaFleur looks lost as a first-year offensive coordinator. The last I checked, the Jets are six-point underdogs, I think. And uh, my pick, and I hope I'm wrong. I say this all the time. I I hope I'm wrong. Titans 20, Jets 10. Titans 20, Jets 10. There's my pick. We'll lock it in, and we'll go back to your calls at 877-337-6666. Or it looks like the lines are busy if you want to tweet me at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. Larry in Cranford, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel. First of all, I'm still taking Xanax from that caller from two callers ago. Which one? I was... I don't remember his name, but he, he was he was wired, boy, let me tell you. He got me crazy. <laughs> can, you, can you stand another Gary Sanchez call? <laughs> yes, I can. Actually, I can. Okay. okay. Do you get, I get the feeling that he just doesn't care. That he, you know, if he goes up and swings at the first three pitches that come along, if he strikes out, he strikes out. And he, he really doesn't care. He really doesn't care. You know, That's kind of the impression you get. I get that. I know, and, and it's so crazy because... That's the impression I think a lot of people get by watching him, right, on TV and, and all that. But you talk yeah. to any player, any coach, any they're all like, oh, he work, he's a hard worker and this and that. I mean, I know they're not going to call out their teammate, but then why go out of their way to say it like that? So I don't know. I, I know. Like, and he also, I don't know if anyone ever could do a stat on it, but I'll bet you he has his hand in giving up as many runs as he produces. Yeah, you know, I would. I wanted to look that up, and I did. I never got a chance to do it. I, I wanted to do that, but yes, you mean in the past balls and, and, but, but sometimes, yeah. you know what though? Sometimes it doesn't even correlate to runs directly because what about today? Uh, I forget who it was, was on base. I think it was a Rosarina was on first base, stole right. second base, stole third right. base and ended up scoring. Right. I mean, that doesn't go so, on a box so score. You know what say, I'm saying? Right. You could say a Rosarina. You really almost could say he had a home run. Yeah. Right. Basically. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you know anyway, what? I, I, Wait, Larry, before you continue, that, that just my thought just popped into my mind of this girl. I won't say her name. She was a catcher for me on my team, and yeah. it was like that's exactly what I thought. Anytime uh, there was a walk or a single, there was a runner on first base, that run was scoring no matter right. what. That was it, and right. it was, it's a terrible feeling. It's a terrible thing. The, the, the walk becomes a uh, – not the walk. The uh, Whatever. And then it becomes a double. Yeah, the one it's base becomes a home run. Right. Okay, I love listening to you. I appreciate that. Thanks for calling, Larry. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and then that we talked to this, what was it, last week or the week before about this Gary Sanchez experiment. I mean, with the knee down, it's lazy. He has literally no lateral movement on any balls outside of the strike zone left and right with that knee down. I can't stand watching it. Not that he's very mobile or lateral or, you know, mobile behind the plate anyway to begin with, but it's just, that one knee down is completely hampering his ability to to go out of the strike zone to make a play on a ball out of the strike zone. And another one gets by Sanchez. I can't hear that anymore. I can't. Can't stomach it anymore. 
and, and I and I say this every single time because I, I don't want this to get lost. Imagine if you are a pitcher pitching to Gary Sanchez and he calls for a ball, I don't know, in the dirt, low in the strike zone, you know, a, a waste pitch out of the zone, something like that. He calls for that. If I'm a pitcher on the Yankees, I don't have much confidence that he's actually going to put some leather on it and block it or be able to get, you know, the the, the glove. How do I say this? In With the... the fingertips touching the ground. He doesn't do that either sometimes. You know, you notice that, right? His fingertips never really touch the ground at times. He, he tries to backhand balls or, or, or put his glove. It's the wrong way sometimes. Like, you're a major league catcher. How is your glove the wrong way? If I was a pitcher, I would have probably maybe 25% confidence that Gary Sanchez is going to pick a ball out of the dirt if one slips out of my hand. And that's a problem. Because then that's a mentality from the pitcher's perspective. Like, okay, well, I, I really can't bounce one here. I really can't put a chase pitch in the dirt because there's a runner on second, and that run's probably going to maybe score. Or a runner, definitely a runner on third would score. So these are all things that you cannot quantify in a box score or in that run differential, runs given up to runs you know, thrown out. You can't quantify those things, as we saw today. A Rosarina's on first, steals second, steals third, scores. That's not on anybody's, you know, box score. Really, I'm talking about catcher. It's not on his box score. And another thing you can't quantify is this. The sh- and we talked about it briefly, and I want to go back to it. The, the shift on Joey Gallo. Four outfielders. They're playing four across. You know, when I play my women's league softball league that I play in, in North Jersey... The Upper Saddle River League, great league, by the way. We're, I'm on the Phillies. I didn't pick the team. Okay, I just I was I was put on to the Phillies. Okay, we use the maroon color. We don't use the red color. But anyway, they play me four across in the outfield because in our league we have um like the short fielder that's allowed. So we play with I guess ten fielders, no matter what, ten people in the field, and every single time they put that they bring that person back and they go four across. Every single time with a full infield. It's very it's very frustrating when you look out there and you're like, man, I, there's nowhere for me to put this. There really is nowhere for me to put this ball. And yet, you know, I mean, Joey Gallo, he's, I mean, he, he stinks, right? There's, but he, he plays against four outfielders. It's a point I'm trying to make. The bunt that he laid down the other day was beautiful. But there was literally nobody playing on the left side of the field. It's Friday night. The bunt was beautiful. If he continues to keep doing it, I I know he said before the game today that even if he continued to lay down bunts like that, they're still going to continue to shift him. Okay, well, then you know what? If I'm him, I'm still laying down those bunts. Because if they're going to give me the whole left side of the infield, I'm going to go ahead and take it. And who knows? Maybe there's a throwing error. Maybe you find yourself on second base. Who knows? All right. Wow. The fan is your station. We want to hear from you. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Welcome back to Danielle. I got a tweet from Mike in Hager. Oh, it's a trumpet. Maybe I should... Uh... Pick that up and try that on my own here. Um, but I got a tweet from Mike Negri. He says, maybe this is Danielle um, at dessert time now. Yeah, that's right. Ice cream. That's my favorite. Ah, it's my vice. I love ice cream. Talking about vices. Um, 
couple things came through on Twitter on the break. I told you I was going to check it. Uh, David Levenstein says, what's the jersey going to be tonight? Um, well, I'm sitting here in a Yankees uh, Field of Dreams cap sent to me by a loyal listener. Thank you. And a gray Aaron Judge t-shirt is what I'm wearing. You, I, you guys, it's crazy what you guys always, you always are interested in what I'm wearing to the show. It's cool. I like it. Every, every week. I didn't tweet it out this week, so. And also, too, uh, we'd be remiss without saying this. Um, on the broadcast, I guess it was like the fourth inning, I think it was. I was still home. So, yeah, probably the third or fourth inning. Ken Singleton drops this. He says, this is the quote. He said, well, Michael, I'm just going to come out and say it. Tomorrow is my last game. And then Michael K was like, oh, you know, of the season? He goes, no. Like, tomorrow is my last game. So, Kenny Singleton is retiring for real this time. And and uh, Michael K was like, is there anything I could do to, like, convince you and he was like no so basically that's that that's a wrap kenny singleton 37 years i think he said behind the mic and uh at 74 years old he is he is calling it quits and a lot of uh, you guys were pouring in with some great uh, some photos of him and mike dolce uh, tagged him and said not a chance one more year one more year one more year and then something that made me laugh out loud I mean, but wait, before we get to that, it was like a little bit emotional. Like he got choked up. He, you know what I, I was impressed by? He went through all the people that he works with at the S Network, you know, calmly. There was only one out. I checked. There was one out. Calmly went through every single person, said nice things about them, wished them well, every single person. And then when he got to Michael K, he got a little choked up. There was no cue cards, just off the cuff. And, uh, Michael K was did he wipe a tear or two? He, he wiped a tear or two, I think. And it was it was just a little emotional moment that was like so out of the blue. No one was expecting it. And uh, congratulations to to Kenny Singleton. But a tweet came through because I quote tweeted him. I said I, I put that quote. Ken Singleton, Mike. Well, Michael, I'm just going to come out and say it. Tomorrow's my last game. I got a reply to that from Tom, which made me laugh out loud. Tom said, "I wish Cashman would say the same thing." But um, there we go. That made me laugh out loud. So I figured I'd share it with you guys. All right, we'll go back to the phones in the order that you guys called. That's how we operate here. Ken in Queens, you are up next on the fan. Danielle, how you doing? Ken, what's up? You on late tonight or are you taking the night off? What do you mean? You want me to do eight hours of radio over the next 12? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, I'm used to hearing you at 2 o'clock in the morning. You know what I mean? I know. I appreciate you tuning in the earlier time. I do. <laughs> now, listen, DJ... Is out? Well, what did that on the update? Because I just got yeah, home. It's a it's a sports hernia. He got a quarter zone shot. He didn't play today. I guess it's just going to be touch and go through the end of the season. I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a oh, okay. big blow. Uh, well, you know what? I'm not a Yankee fan, Danielle, as you know, but they got nothing to worry about. They're facing X-Men Michael Walker tomorrow. Forget about it. They'll probably get four or five runs in the first inning off of him. You know, I don't know, Ken, because I'm looking at Jamison Tyone, who is the starting pitcher tomorrow, I disagree with it, but his stat line against the Rays this season, two starts, 6.52 ERA. Not looking good either. Yeah, I'm surprised Tyon was uh, is pitching. I thought he was out with that ankle injury. Yeah, he was out, and then he came back, and then he went out again, and this is, again, his first start back from the second time out with the ankle. So, also, oh, there's a layer of that also on this game tomorrow. Yeah. Now, Danielle, mm-hmm. Denzel Mims mm-hmm. must be on this jet field every single 
Sunday. He should, but did you hear what I was saying before? I think there's major issues with him learning the playbook. Kind of reading between the lines of what Robert Sala said. I don't think. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. There's there's something more behind the scenes that the Jets, of course, are not telling us because this guy's got a world of talent. Their receivers are terrible. Listen, Berrios and Jeff Smith do not belong on the same field as Bims. I agree with you. That's number one. I agree with you. Okay. Yep. And but six three, four three in the forty. You got to play this kid. Well, I think Ken. The problem is if he doesn't know the playbook. What is he going to be running around like backyard football? Like you know, on on the hand. Am I going to do hand signals? Like okay, you go that way and make a left at at, at my my lifeline here. Like you know what I mean? If he doesn't know the playbook, how how effective can he be? He doesn't play on special teams either. Yeah, and they also buried the. I know he's been hurt, but the running back Perini, who did okay and right. show signs of being a decent running back. The running backs they got now, forget about Johnson. Give me a break. Yeah, I guess Johnson, oh, yeah. Coleman, and uh, all right. I like Michael Carter. Don't get me wrong. Michael Carter will be good, yeah. but come on, Ty Johnson, and you're going to play not. Uh, Michael Perrine. I mean, it, that right. don't make sense either. Why is he in the doghouse? Yeah, I, that I don't know. <laughs> that that I don't know. But I think there's more to it. Obviously, this 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 Mim story. And Ken, thanks for bringing that up because this is something that um they, he was asked about, and he I read between the lines, and I basically said, and I thought immediately as soon as he said it that, hey, this guy doesn't know the playbook. This guy. I mean, the quote was from Robert Sala. This is, we're comfortable using him, period. That was the first sentence. We're comfortable using him. Now you are, because now he's got, what, almost four weeks of studying? You know, in-season weeks of studying the playbook, okay? He continued on to say, Robert Sala, it's gotten to the point where he doesn't even need to talk to the coach anymore. He's just out on the football field getting himself lined up. Well, wait a second. Why did he have to talk to the coach? Maybe because he didn't know where to line up on that particular play call. It happens. I mean, it's it's a whole new system. It's like learning a language. It's a whole new language. And, and there's a learning curve. So I'm not sure if there's anything to read into beyond that. I mean, I'm even reading into this. But that's what it sounds like to me. I think there's definitely some learning the playbook issues and, and some steady habit issues. Maybe a guy that has always banked on his talent and his speed and his size to do well. And then, boom, all of a sudden, because remember, he, he didn't have you know, much time on the field last year, too. I don't have the number in front of me, but it wasn't what you thought it was going to be because of injury. I mean, he's been in flux for two seasons now with the Jets and now a whole new regime. I would bet money on the fact that this is a guy that got by always. Didn't need to, you know, plays were run for him on all that stuff. And now, boom, he's not the number one wide receiver on the team anymore. And they have to create things for him. So that's that's what I'm saying that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I don't know if there's anything else. But I, I will put it this way. I'm not shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if there was more to the story. And by the way, Mims ducked the media. Uh, I guess it was Friday. Yesterday. He has not been made available. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I guess in, 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 our last time was probably like early early uh, training camp. Was the last time he, Mims was available to the media. He did not speak to the media um, this time around. On the eve of his start. So, what does that tell you? Uh, Nick in Queens. You're up next on The Fan. Nick! Sorry. Hey, Danielle. Oh, hey. How are you? 
God, I'm just calling about the Yankees lost thing. I'm just going to say it. If the Yankees can't get one win against the Rays, they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. I said it in the open. I am so much with you, Nick, on that. Yes. You know, I mean, they're hanging on and they're trusting the Orioles or, or the Nationals. And that's just not the way to do it. And, I mean, honestly, I don't even have a lot of faith for tomorrow's game. Um, if, if people haven't noticed, the Yankees are a pretty streaky team. Yep. They go on great winning streaks, and that makes them look like they're World Series contenders. And they go on these losing streaks that makes them look like they're nowhere near contenders or even playoff contenders. Mm-hmm. So right now they're looking like the latter. And um, tomorrow is going to be a little rough, especially with the pitcher that they're putting up. Yeah, Nick, good point there. And I was just out counting. So when when the Yankees had that 13-game win streak, right, what followed was a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 total games. They were they had two wins in those 13 games that followed that 13-game win streak. They're a streaky team. And they swept the Texas Rangers. They swept the Boston Red Sox. They took two out of three from the Toronto Blue Jays. And you're like, yeah. They're going to win the World Series. For sure. And then all of a sudden, they ran into the buzzsaw. That's the Tampa Bay Rays. And if they cannot beat the Rays in must-win games, win and in games, I mean, what better incentive is there to win a game than if you win, you're in the postseason. And if they can't afford or they can't figure out how to beat the Rays to get into the postseason... Well, guess who's waiting for them once they get there and once they get past, you know, that first round. In the ALDS, the Yankees are going to take on the Tampa Bay Rays. Their record against the Rays this season, 7-11. In fact, the only team that the Yankees have a winning record against in their division, and it'll finish this way too, is the the Baltimore Orioles. They're 11-8. 11-8 versus one of the worst teams in the entire league, the Yankees are, in the AL East. The Rays, though, the Rays have winning records against every AL East opponent, including the Yankees. It's almost like delaying the inevitable, don't you think? Don't you feel that way a little bit? Howard, in the Upper East Side, you're up next on Fan. Hi, Danielle. Uh, Let me first say uh, you are very very refreshing and very knowledgeable. I enjoy listening to you. I appreciate that. Um, I'm just wondering why they didn't choose Severino to start the game tomorrow. Uh, he's been very sharp. He mm-hmm. is, has been a starter. Yeah. And he would make a logical choice, and then they can go from there. But he could probably give you a good four innings. I know they've been using him a lot, but nonetheless, he's been sharp in all of his appearances, and uh, I don't know why that wasn't considered. So, here, I'll tell you why. Because when I'm looking at the game logs of Severino for this season so far, he's pitched in one, two, three, four games total, and he, okay. he has not pitched beyond two innings. That's it. That's his ceiling. That's his max. So the reason why they didn't start Severino is one, he's never started this season so far. And two, that um, starting him, getting, let's say, two innings out of him, even three, if you could squeak three out, means it's a bullpen game. And if the Yankees are going to their bullpen on Sunday, and then again on Monday, and then again on Tuesday, they're in big trouble. But you know... Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, uh, but starting the game is so important. 
if he can give two, three good innings, and maybe the Yankees can uh, score some runs, mm -hmm. then they can bring in their relievers, and hopefully Boone will do it in the right order, uh, unlike he did last night in the ninth inning. If, but, yeah, I, don't know. I, I mean, I, I get it, but it's just the fact that they are, they're going to have, you know, how many games and how many days, and they can't tax the bullpen in that way before you even get to the race. I mean, yeah. that's like a death sentence right then and there. I agree. So, okay, thanks a lot. Yeah, good question there, Howard, though. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, Luis Severino was going to be a reliever. That's it. Case closed, period. Done. Now, this is a different scenario if, you know, it's a game, whatever, four, and Boone needs it there to be, a, you know, a, a bullpen game. Maybe Severino does start the game. But tomorrow tomorrow cannot be a bullpen game. I mean, out of Jameson Tyon, they need at least five good innings. I can't believe I'm saying that, right? I, I I like starting pitchers to go to like the seventh, and then you do the setup man, and then you do the closer. That's what I like. That's not how the Yankees play the game. So five innings at a tie-on with you know minimal run damage. I don't know two runs maybe I I guess five innings I would consider that a win. Uh, you know it for him for him personally, but when you look at what he's done against the Rays so far this season. In two starts, he's got a 6.5-something ERA. I mean, in my book, that rounds up to a 7, a 7 ERA. If Jameson Tyone goes out there, coming off the, the, the ankle injury, which he's been out twice for already, and he puts up a 7 spot, he allows the Rays to put up a 7 spot on the Yankees? Done. Done for. It's over. I mean, it's not technically over, but come on. That would be terrible. That would be awful. And you've got to imagine that, that Aaron Boone is going to have a short leash on him. I would hope Aaron Boone is going to have a short leash on him. And uh, by the way, the Boston Red Sox did win. and You probably saw it. Red Sox beat the Nationals. Yankees and the Red Sox are locked up for home field advantage on, on, on the wild card. Locked up. Tied. Toronto's one game behind them. Seattle's one and a half game behind them. Looking at the standings right now. Seattle plays, uh, the Mariners play the Angels at, I think it's 9-10, so about an hour from now. We'll have, I guess, a better picture of what's going on. Did If you're a Yankee fan, did you ever think that this would come down to game number 162? Technically, maybe even, really, 163. Crazy. Crazy to think. Let's go to Teddy in Yonkers. You're up on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Um, Teddy, the math teacher, Danielle. Hey. M math doesn't lie. Yes. There is no alternative facts to one plus one. Yep. Okay? It's a fact. It's a true statement. Danielle, I'm laying down here because my ears became so red and hot from thinking about the Yankees after they played so well at Toronto. Uh -huh. I was so confident, Danielle. Yeah. So confident that they come home and they put, put a job on Tampa. But, Danielle, this is the story of the Yankees all year long. And, Danielle, if they can't beat, if they get swept by Tampa, like previous callers said, yes. they don't deserve, and you said it also, yep. they don't deserve to get in the playoffs. Danielle, I can't even think straight. If the Yankees lose tomorrow, and the other t and Boston wins tomorrow, and Toronto wins t tomorrow, and uh, Seattle wins tonight and tomorrow, What's the who do the Yankees play in the in the runoff in the extra, extra game on Monday? Do you know? No, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> that that would be chaos. I, I don't know. I don't I know. I think the there might be a three team 
Kai. I don't know. I mean, I'll try to find it. <laughs> but, but Danielle, I tell you this: I don't even think the Yankees. You know, to to start, to learn math, Danielle, you have to have confidence in yourself mm-hmm. and do the work that's necessary. And the Yankees, they don't have confidence in themselves. And I'm afraid if they play Monday, they're going to be a team that's going to try to play not to lose right. instead of playing to win. Yeah, and we've talked about that here. There, there's a big difference between playing not to lose and playing to win, for sure. It, it, it's, a, it's a shame. Daniel, one last thing. Yeah. Do you keep Gary Sanchez or are they going to trade him? I, I would have traded Gary Sanchez three years ago. Gone. Done. Enough of him. Seen enough. Are they going to trade him, Danielle? <laughs> That's a different question. Are they going to trade him? Uh, no, I'm going to go with no. I don't think they're going to trade him. I Why, think- Danielle? Why? Yeah, because look at, look at his contract. They don't have to pay him yet. <laughs> the New York Yankees don't have to pay him yet. And 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 they have to and they they they're still banking on oh you know he he could be a good hitter he could you know he could he could but yeah, you're a number you're a numbers guy what's in front of me what am I looking at this is a guy who can't catch he's a catcher and he can't catch and he really can't hit either yeah it's like saying a student can take calculus when he can't solve two x plus seven equals twenty eight wait I want to write that down two x oh wait hold on okay let me get that two x plus seven Plus seven. Equals 28. 28. All right, so seven to 21. Oh, man, I got to do 21 divided by two. 21 divided by two is 10.5. You got it, See? And they want to take calculus when they can't do that. I know. Okay. I know. Danielle, great talking to you. <laughs> Always looking forward to you, Danielle. Teddy, I'm glad you introduced yourself as the math teacher. You're great. I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so how's that? How's my algebra skills? On point, right? I haven't done that in years either. I feel like I'm back in high school again. I got my trumpet on my right hand. I got a, a you know linear equations, solving them like cake. And I'm looking at Gary Sanchez's contract right now. Uh, he's got one more year, 2022 season. He's under arbitration. I mean, he's only making $6 million this year. Next year, was it going to go up a little bit more? $10 million? Is it going to be $15 million? Maybe. But still, he's still quite cheap. And unfortunately, I think that's why the Yankees would trade him. And then again, who wants And then next year, to try and trade him, who wants a rental catcher? Who wants a catcher in an expiring year? And not even a really good one. <laughs> I don't know. I know Ken Davidoff had an article. Um, I was reading it this morning. To finish in a four-way tie for the two wildcard spots, yeah, this is from the Yankee perspective. I don't know. Madness. Mayhem. Just win. How's that? How's this? How's, how's this for the bottom line? Just win the game tomorrow. Just beat the race just once. One out of three. And then the madness will go away for a little bit. All right, we'll take more of your calls. 877-337-6666 on what is a, uh, so far, very, very disappointing uh, series weekend for the New York Yankees. Can they win tomorrow behind the arm of Jamison Tyone? Well, and avoid that that play-in game? We'll, We'll have to wait and see. 877-337-6666 is the phone number. And if you cannot get through, if it's a busy signal, maybe you're at work, maybe you're, you know, whatever. It's at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter. All right. Uh, We'll take it up to, by the way, 10 p.m. when C-Mac, Chris McMonagle, comes your way. Your official station to talk Jets. The Fan on 1019 FM and the Odyssey
trying to get to the boys' summer bar. Welcome back to Danielle. Here we go. Well, one of our teams, the boys of summer, the Mets, are pretty much, they've got to play out one more game. Kevin from Camden sent me an article that said that J.D. Davis is going to get hand surgery uh, in the offseason. Probably, I don't know, if I were him, I would do it, I don't know, Monday. I think it was a ligament in the hand. I just I just exited out. Um, yeah, the Mets are done for, and the Yankees are, uh, listen, they've guaranteed themselves a game 163. Whether that's a play-in game or, or, or what at this point, no one knows. They have to beat the Tampa Bay Rays tomorrow. They had to beat them tonight. Like, literally, I am sitting here. I texted Spike just to make sure this was all right to bring this. I have a bottle of champagne here right next to me. I brought cups. Although it's probably not good. It's it's, it's a couple of years old. It's probably not great. But, you know, for, for a prop for tonight, because I thought the Yankees were going to be clinching tonight. Today, even if they lost today, I thought maybe there was a potential, uh, if the, the stars aligned, that the other teams would, would, I don't know, maybe the Nationals would come through and beat the Red Sox. Maybe the Orioles would come through and beat the Blue Jays. And then we wouldn't be having any of this conversation right now. We'd be sipping our, our bubbly. But you know what? I'm going to have to take this bottle back home and maybe open it up tomorrow. Who knows? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But uh, this is not a great outcome. If you're a Yankee fan, if you're the Yankees right now, you got Jamison Tyone bringing his against the Rays almost seven ERA into a must-win game. King is off the off the the shelf. Michael King off the shelf for for uh, relief appearance tomorrow. Boone already told you that much. It's not great. And then the Yankees have must-win games on what? Technically Friday night, Saturday night. Not tonight, but let's go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and then Tuesday, and then and then what? I mean, that's five must-win games in a row. It's exhausting if you're a player. It's exhausting. Mentally, emotionally, and physically. And you've got a couple ailing Yankees, Gallo, Judge with his finger, when he dislocated his finger, he like Iron Man, he just, boom, put it back. The, the reason why there was such a delay in the game, Aaron Boone said, was because they couldn't really, they couldn't get it back in. Eventually, they got it. And you got LeMahieu taking cortisone shots. How long is that going to last for? Come on. All right. In the order that you guys called, Lou in Massapequa, you're up next on the fan. Yeah. How you doing, Daniel? What's up, Lou? Um, a couple of things. Uh, uh, number one, um, with regards to the Mets, mm-hmm. you know, the Mets, um, they, they actually overachieved, I think, in the first half with all their injuries. Yeah. And, then when the ground when the ground went down, the team just lost its heart. Mm-hmm. They didn't they just, they didn't have the same fight in them after the ground went down. Agreed. So even though their other players started coming back, they just were not the same team without the ground. And I would also say that the mixture in the clubhouse was not a good mixture. I mean, there's no reporters allowed in there, so there's no way to, to actually find this out, and there's no no way players are going to throw each other on the bus. But you know, the Lindor Baez thing in that clubhouse, I don't think that was a positive thing for that team. Um, well, and, and then with regards to the Yankees, like Sanchez is the worst defensive player probably in baseball. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't I, go that far, but he, he's he's quite bad. Yes, <laughs> he's quite bad. <laughs> and you know, I, somebody asked a few minutes ago, what happens if the Red Sox win tomorrow, um, the Yankees lose, and Seattle and um, and uh, Toronto win? 
do do those three teams have to play uh, each other to play the Red Sox, or is it just four teams playing against each other and the two winners um, move on? You know, on on the break, I tried to find an article here, uh, you know, just to explain this, because I don't know the math behind it. Maybe Teddy, the math teacher, can can help us figure this out. Um, But I just found an article here. This is from USA Today. You know what? I'm going to tweet this out for everybody to read and see on their own. And and um, I don't know right now, but I just tweeted the article. Okay, let's see what it says. Let's read it together. Um, let's see. New York Yankees. Four Toronto Jets. Um, okay, okay, fine. Four teams separated by three games playing for two spots. Okay, and they have a nice little graphic. Uh, hopefully this article is a good one. Yankees win and you're in. All right, this is going to take longer to go through this. I, I will go through this article and maybe another one for, for double reference here uh, over the next break. I'll have the answer for you for sure coming up. All right, th- thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Lou. Okay, bye. Yeah, I'll, I'll get that answer to you guys um, because this, I don't know if this has ever been done before, honestly. Um, Tiebreakers, let's go crazy, it says. All right, so I'm going to read that headlines. It's a little slow to, okay. Three-way tie if, all right, I don't want to do this live on the air with you guys, but I will get to this on this next commercial break, and I will have an answer for you guys coming up in about, like, nine minutes, okay? Let's go Kevin in East Rutherford. You're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle, great show. I think you're doing a good job. Uh, two quick things. One, I want to be away from the Yankees and talk Mets, if you don't mind. Um, where do you think they're going to go this offseason? Do you think they're going to keep Rojas? Do you think they're going to make a change at manager? And what players do you think they'll come back? Do you see Conforto back in a Met uniform next year? Yeah, nice little voice there, Kevin. Uh, I would say uh, Rojas Like I said before, Rojas is going to be a casualty of the GM change, the new regime change, new front office change uh, for the Mets. So, uh, yeah, he'll be gone. I think he'll be gone as as soon as Monday, actually. And then who are they going to keep? I think Syndergaard, based on what he said, how he loves playing in New York, all that, he he seems – Noah Syndergaard seems like he's going to accept the qualifying offer uh, should the Mets lay one out for him. I think he's got a lot to prove still, and I think a qualifying offer, he, he can prove that on. Uh, Conforto, the tears after the game, the hugging in the dugout, the press conference. The, I mean, you, you can't help but get choked up. I mean, he called it love. He said it's love. That's what he said about Mets fans and him, the relationship that they have. Unfortunately, though, his, 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 uh, his agent is Scott Boris. And also, I guess technically, unfortunately, too, everybody knows how much money Steve Cohen has. And all every Mets fans, at least, know what a disappointing season Michael Conforto had this season. So that's kind of like a perfect storm of maybe he doesn't re-sign with the Mets. That's kind of like the perfect storm there. But I would absolutely make a run at Stroman if I were the Mets. I, you need to get him. You need to get him back in, in a Mets uniform. What if De, what if Degrom isn't? You know what if you know what if he isn't what he is in his prime anymore? What if he needs surgery? What if Syndergaard? Isn't what he was you're used to seeing him be. Sorry, I can't, couldn't get that out. What if what if Degrom and Syndergaard aren't, you know, next year pitching to what their expectation level is? How's that? So you need a guy like Syndergaard. Taiwan Walker clearly hit his ceiling. I talked about it here. He hit his innings limit this season, like like two weeks, three weeks ago. He was done for. There's a lot of there's a lot of ifs on this Mets pitching staff, and and I don't think that Marcus Stroman is one of them. So um, that's kind of like my hierarchy of things. 
But then you have to look at, you know, the free agents and all that. But let's not go there yet. This, this, we have, we're going to have months. To do, we're going to have the month of November, December, January, and even February to do that. So let's, let's not go there just yet. Let's go to Nelson in Far Rockaway. You're up next on The Fan. Hey, Daniel. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. Appreciate it. Thanks for making it. All right. Uh, so I, I just have a quick question and comment. Uh, you know, I'm a Yankee fan, die hard, and I don't even know what to say about this team. But uh, I don't think Boone is the problem per se. But one thing that really bothers me about him is his lack of urgency in urgent situations. And I don't know if you agree with me with this. I feel like sometimes there's a lack of a move, and then he tries to overcompensate it with something that doesn't really make sense. All right, like, as my mom would say, yeah, give me a for instance. Okay. Uh, in the Boston series, um, mm-hmm. Alex Cora sent one of the runners for Boston at a – I forgot the exact situation, but, okay. you know, it was it made sense. And then he sent Tyler Wade, I think – two innings later, and it just didn't make sense to even send the runner at that situation. And it ended up working out for them yeah. because I believe that's when Stanton hit the grand slam. I think it was that game. I'm not sure. But I just feel like sometimes he doesn't make a move that he should make, and then he just tries to overcompensate. And uh, just a, a question. Uh, yeah. Do you think Jorge Posada will make a good Yankee manager one day? You know, uh, listen, Nelson, that's a great question. So when you look at managers you i mean me i'm talking me i i would want a former player i would which posada is i also would want someone if i were looking for a new york team right so i would want someone who played or has at least coached in the new york market which posada has not only has he played here he he's won here big time and i also would look for someone that like a center fielder in this order, probably this. I would look for probably a catcher first, then a pitcher, then maybe a shortstop, and then maybe a center fielder. Those are like the positions that you're kind of involved in, you know, in that order, every pitch. Like the catcher and the pitcher, they are involved in every pitch. Shortstop, kind of, sort of, too, and, and the center fielder, kind of, sort of, too, right? So Jorge Posada would check three of boxes for me, three of three so far boxes for me. The question is, would he want to? I don't know if he's ever publicly spoken about wanting to 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 do this. I know a lot of guys um, just don't. You know, they don't like the grind anymore after whatever a, a very long career. They don't like going back on the grind, being away from home. Can't watch their kids grow up. I'm not saying that this is a, the Jorge Posada story. I'm just I, I would be I would I would want to ask him uh, how he would feel about that. Um, you know who would make a great Yankee manager? And I've said it on here before. If Boone were to ever been be let go, I think the the next move, David Cohn. When I watch a David Cohn broadcast of a Yankee game, I feel like I'm I'm smarter. Just like when I watch a Tony Romo one, I feel like I'm smarter. I feel like I'm learning things. He seamlessly incorporates both kind of gut and statistics, and he would check the boxes too because he's a pitcher and he has won significantly here in New York as well. But again, and that was just a hypothetical, theoretical question that I knew you posed. But listen, the, the, the managerial job is not open for the Yankees. The Yankees are fighting for their postseason lives at this point in time. If and when that managerial spot is vacated, if and potentially when, that's another that's another conversation for another day. And 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 the one thing I before we go to break here, the one thing I will say is that the what you said before, maybe it's not Boone's fault. Well, maybe it's not. It, it's the whole 
operation over there. It's the computer spitting out numbers, and we're going to follow this no matter what. There's no gut feeling. It's very sterile feeling. It's very um, binary code feeling. If this, then that. No matter what the situation was. There was one thing the other day. Someone asked him, uh, were you going to put in... Uh, oh, oh! about Gary Sanchez pinch hitting. Was Gary Sanchez always going to be the pinch hitter? Yes, Gary Sanchez was always going to be the pinch hitter. It didn't matter with Kyle. If Kyle Lugasiokia hit four home runs, it wouldn't have mattered. That's what I'm talking about. That needs to change. You need somebody in there with a good blend of analytics and gut. I think David Cohn would be a perfect managerial candidate for the New York Yankees. I know it's been all baseball tonight. Um, I want to give you my Giants prediction. So we'll do uh, we'll do Giants prediction coming up next on The Fan. If you want to get aboard, 877-337-6666. The Fan is on your smart speaker to listen to the home of New York sports. Just say, hey Alexa, play WFAN. Want to know your name? Well, here is a video that's been circling around the internet over the past, I don't know, 15 minutes. I want to know your name. Uh, uh, Irvin Meyer. Urban Meyer. He might be in a little bit of trouble. And I never really retweet Barstool Sports stuff, but I'm going to hit retweet on this. It's got 386,000 views in exactly 24 minutes. Urban Meyer's having himself a Saturday. That's all I'll say. He is, um, let's just say I've never seen a coach celebrate a winless season quite like Urban Meyer. So go ahead. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N, or you just go to Barstool Sports, or just, you know what, type in Twitter, as as Paul told me before to do on the break, type in Twitter, Paul uh, Urban Meyer, and have fun, you guys. I can't believe this. And now, this is not grounds for firing, right? This is clearly not grounds for firing. Oh, it's 100,000 views more right now. <laughs> um, not grounds for firing, but it's definitely grounds for a divorce if I were his wife. Oh, my God. Oh, baby. And then there's a screenshot of a, of an Instagram story. I'm not sure if it's real or fake, but it's like, who is this guy? He keeps flirting with me as if it was this girl. We don't know her name. I want to know your name. A little segue there. Giants prediction. Stay with me. I know we got some uh, baseball talk tonight. Giants prediction, because I don't want to hear you guys. Oh, you, didn't, you were on Saturday night. You didn't even give an official Giants prediction. Here it is. The Giants are going to be without three starters. Ben Bredson and Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton. Sterling Shepard has been the Giants' number one receiver through the first three games. 18 catches, 223 yards. And also the Giants are going to be starting, how do I say this? They're going to be starting their fourth different left guard in four games this season so far. The Giants will have had four different offensive line combinations so far in these four games. But the Saints are playing without their starting center and without their starting left tackle. There are two ways the Giants can win this game. One, dominate on the ground. Shepard and Slayton are both out. That leaves Galladay. If there was ever a time for that breakout game to come for Saquon Barkley, we talked about it in the open, remember? It's tomorrow. It's not a good look when Daniel Jones, your quarterback, is your team's leading rusher by over 30 yards. And almost double the yards per carry than your running back, Saquon Barkley. And number two, the, the second way that the Giants can win this game is if you fluster Jameis Winston. He's coming off a great game. Two touchdowns, 100 and I'm going to round up, 11 rating against the Patriots. 
But this season, he's also had a zero touchdown, two interception game. So which Jameis Winston will show up tomorrow will be a great indicator of how this game goes. The Giants do have an advantage in the sense that he'll be missing two-fifths of his offensive line, and they're only going to be missing one-fifth of theirs, including his starting center, Jameis Winston. That, that's, that's a big deal. And not to mention that with those guys, the ones that are now out, Winston still has been sacked seven times in two games, in the past two games. But I cannot take any more of this soft coverage from the Giants' defense. They made Matt Ryan look like Joe Montana out there. Two touchdowns and a 111 rating? The Giants allowed Matt Ryan to have. Come on. So the Giants' game is really going to depend on which Jameis Winston shows up this week. Um, I think the absence of both Slayton and Shepard will be too much to overcome for the Giants. And the last I checked, they were the Giants were seven-point underdogs. I'm going, and I hope I'm wrong. Hope I'm wrong. Saints 24, Giants 21. Again, I hope I'm wrong. Saints 24, Giants 21. And we'll go back to your calls. Uh, in the order that you guys call, L in Hoboken. You're up next on the fan. Um, hi. I just wanted to know, um, what would happen if the Yankees lost and uh, Mariners on the Blue Jays won? And then it would be a three-way tie. How would how would that work out? Well, the Mariners are at one and a half games behind. So, I, you know, um, I, I, listen, I don't know. And the article that I found was written, and thanks for calling there, Al. The article that I found that I thought was going to give us the answer um, isn't isn't a good one. I'm looking for it. I'm searching for it. If, uh, if anybody has the answer out there, go ahead and tweet it to me because I haven't gotten any tweets either uh, to know that. if they, how, how a four-way tie, even a three-way tie w- would shake out on the last game of the season. <laughs> a lot of people are laughing at the Urban Meyer video I posted. Okay. Um, Sweeney answered something else uh, earlier. Um, the question that we posed to Sweeney before, seven minutes ago, he said, uh, the question was, can the Mets hire someone who is not working for a team in the playoffs, or do they have to wait till the end of the World Series to hire? Um, Sweeney said, sure that the Mets can interview anyone, ask for permission, conduct interviews on off days of series. Yeah. Kind of like a, kind of like football, right? They do it like that. Oh man. All right. Um, Sweeney, if you're still out there, if you're still listening, you want to break down the, uh, the four way tie for us, the three way tie. I'm phoning a friend. You're the friend. <laughs> you can do that for us. And, and in the meantime, I'm going to keep looking. Um, but urban Meyer, um, that train wreck. Took my attention during the last commercial break. I'm sorry. I, I'll get an answer for you guys. I promise I will. I, there's, there's got to be an answer out there somewhere because I don't know it. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Mickey in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. You're up on the fan. Hi, Danielle. What's up, it's, Mickey? Uh, pleasure to speak to you again. Of course. Well, likewise. It's, uh, I have to commiserate over my Yankees. Hey, um, fill me in on something because yeah. after last night's game, I didn't get a chance to hear Boone and I didn't get a chance to listen to the talk today before the game. Mm -hmm. But am I correct that in the ninth inning last night with the postseason on the line, he had a choice of bringing in Chapman or Green, who were up in the bullpen, and chose to bring in Albert Abreu in that pressure situation? Basically, yeah. Am I missing something? Yeah, no, you're missing the the logic in all of that, yes. I, I, you know, I complained all year, I think to you a couple of times mm-hmm. also, about how he's clueless with pitching, managing pitching during the game. And every time I'm like, it, he outdoes himself. But that one, last night, 
I did, was he questioned on that at all? Uh, no, actually, and and I watched the post game again this morning, and Jack Curry and Flash, they said that uh, he was not asked. Um, Why wouldn't they ask him that? He brings know. in uh, basically a rookie in the biggest pressure situation you can have, and he's got two guys in the bullpen yeah. that are better. Uh, uh, it's just baffling. It really is baffling. Mm, I know, and, and I know Chapman has been an adventure. Let's just put it that way. I know that. I understand that. Um, but come on. What's his name? Abreu had 36 innings of experience this season so far at the yeah, major league it's level. It's a pressure situation. And I exactly. thought I heard somebody say that Green was up, too, in the bullpen. I don't know if that's correct. Uh, that I, I didn't see that. Okay, but he had uh, Lewis, uh, Lucas Lickie up. I know that yeah. also. He had Chapman up, too. Chapman was ready, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I just don't get it. And the other thing with this pinch hitting, I could not believe, and I know it's a push-button deal, so... Uh, how many times in the last ten at bats has Sanchez struck out? I'd love to know that. It's got to be about seven, I would guess. Mm, if you hold and, on, I could definitely look that up for you. Well, I'd love to hear this. So the question is, say it one more time for everybody listening. The last ten at bats, how many times has Sanchez struck out? Okay, let's go to the game log. I'm going to guess seven. Last ten at bats or ten games? I'm sorry. Ten, no, ten at bats. Okay, last, so last three games, three, bats. four games. Uh, I know three. we didn't play every game. But. Yeah, so let's go three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Ten. Can I? You want eight or twelve at bats? Uh, oh, at bats? Yeah. Go with twelve. Okay, let's That's, go twelve. Uh, we'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> so out of the <laughs> good, this hey, you got you nailed it. Out of the last twelve at bats that Gary Sanchez has had, he has struck out seven of them. You know, and then Higashioka, correct me if I'm wrong, got in a huge hit the other night to tie the game. He did. And yep. and they're both righties. I don't know what, you know, it's just unbelievable how he can keep. And I heard in the post game he said that he's always going to be the pinch hitter. Well, that's kind of crazy because he's not a good one, right? And, oh, and he's so clueless. I mean, he swung at three balls and, you know, yeah. oh, it's, they don't deserve to be in here. And I, and I give a lot of the blame on Boone. Yeah, and and the whole strategy too. Like, like, why would you throw in a guy who's cold off the bench for a guy? It's like an even swap to me, and even I would give the advantage to Higashioka since he's been in the game so far. Yeah, and he does the same thing with these pitching horrendous pitching changes he's done over the last couple of weeks, and actually it's the whole season. Mm -hmm. You got a guy like with Holmes when he pulled him after that eleven pitch three strikeout. performance against the Red Sox, yep. and then he did the same thing, um, I believe, with, um, oh, who the heck was it? There was someone else the other night that had about 13 pitches. Oh, it might have been Severino. I'm not sure. But you're going to an unknown entity when you bring someone else in versus someone, right. I mean, Holmes the other night when he pulled him. Not only did he strike out the side, every pitch was on the black. Yep. It was it was just a masterful performance. Mm-hmm. And you go with an unknown entity. You don't know what you're going to get, no matter who you're pulling in, versus a guy that you can see has got all this stuff. Ah, oh, that, that's what the the computers say to do, Mickey. I don't know. It's uh, that's part of the problem of this Yankees team. And listen, raise your hand right now if you think that if the Yankees somehow get you know get to that series against the Rays, who thinks they're beating the Rays? Raise your hand. Maybe I can put that poll up on Twitter. I'm going to put that up. Um, and I did. I, I got it tweeted to me at the same time I found it. Um, there is an article from CBS Sports that breaks down a four-team trade, and it is paragraphs long. So uh, I'm going to do my best to comb through that, and I'll hopefully have. 
The fan is on your smart speaker to listen to the home of New York sports. Just say, play WFAN. Out in the street, they call it Welcome back to the final hour of Now It's Danielle in the Dark here on The Fan. I've taken you through dinner time, through dessert time, and now it's now it's dark out. So Danielle in the Dark, final hour, Chris McMonagle comes your way at 10 p.m. Do the handoff to him. It's so nice to have the update anchor in studio. It's the first time in like a long time. So Greg Caserta in studio. That's the man. Uh, also, can I, can I just take a, a quick... Um, I, my cousin, <clears throat> sorry, I promise I'm not crying. I, I don't know what that was. I, I, my my cousin, my first cousin, Jackie, is uh got married tonight at you know this afternoon, and uh, obviously I'm here with you guys. So I just want to say congratulations to my cousin Jackie and her husband, and uh, you know wish I could be there. Duty calls, and uh, I'll see you guys soon. And it, 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 I couldn't go. I've gone to my cousin's wedding. Um, and then came here right from the wedding. But this one, it's in Delaware, so I couldn't make the trip. So um, congratulations to my cousin Jackie and her, and her now now husband. Um, and uh, best of luck to you guys moving forward. I, and I, I'm sure I'll see you guys soon. Okay, so here are and I, and this is this is we did algebra before, but here is the mind numbing calculus. Um. Oh. AJ Bianco says, my son Ryan is listening to you right now as he's laying in bed. How about a shout out? He doesn't believe I know you. Oh, Ryan, believe your father. We used to work together. Really good with computers and numbers and stuff (laughs) and SGOs. Okay, so as we, uh, this is an article written by Dan, D-A-Y-N, Dan Perry. There, he has all different scenarios. I, I think I tweeted out the article. Okay. I don't know what, what scenario you want to know, um, but if it's four teams that are tied for both wild card spots, it's uh, Team A plays Team B on Monday, basically, and Team C plays Team D on Monday, and the winners of those two games meet in the AL wild card game, which is Tuesday. And there's all different scenarios that he goes through on here. So um, I screenshotted it. I hope that answers all the questions. He has all the scenarios covered. Two teams tie for one wild card. We know that. Then it gets into head-to-head records. If there are three teams tied for one wild card spot, I mean, there could be. Teams A, B, and C are assigned as noted above, and they play as noted above. For example, B at A, followed by the winner of A versus B at home against C, I mean, this is crazy talk. I mean, this is crazy. Uh, but it, I did post it if if you can't follow that because that's crazy. Um, and I, I screenshot it, so it's there. And so thanks to Dan Perry for sorting all of that out for us. Oh, and I forgot to put the poll up. So if – I'm typing it right now. If the Yankees – let me see. If the Yankees make it to the, the postseason series – Against the Rays. Who wins? Right? Keep it simple. Who wins? I want to put NYY or TB. I love short polls. You guys know that. This is going to be up for 15 minutes. At Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. If the Yankees make it to that series, who wins? Sorry, Cheryl. It's up. It's up now. It's up now. Okay. Um. Let's see. Let's see what we can do here. Um... 
you know, it is. I don't know if anybody cares about this. I don't really quite care about it. But there was a commercial for it before right here on this on this uh, radio station. So we'll talk about it. It's the return of Tom Brady. The highly anticipated return of Tom Brady to Gillette Stadium in a visiting uniform. There are, and I don't want you to Google this. Don't Google this. I want you to call up with the answer here. There are, and I'll have a prize for you. Just good for you, you know. But there are currently three quarterbacks to have beaten all 32 teams. Tom Brady is trying to become the fourth. There are three NFL quarterbacks in history that have beaten all 32 teams. Who are they? And Tom Brady's looking to become the fourth tomorrow. After 22 seasons, he's coming back in a visiting team's uniform. So what will be the reception from him? For him from the fans, I mean, obviously, I think it's going to be a standing ovation. I think it's pretty obvious because my feel is that the fans don't fault Tom Brady for leaving them. They fault the upper management. They fault, more squarely, the coach for letting him go. And my understanding is that a lot of Patriots fans were, in fact, rooting for him to win the Super Bowl last year with the Bucks. And Tom Brady said the other day, I have a lot of good thoughts and emotions. I have a lot of friends there, but they know that I want to kick their butts this week. They know exactly how I feel when I'm out there. So in the most direct scenario that we might get, actually, as football fans, to see the dynamic of them two, Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, against each other, who wins? Is it Belichick or is it Brady? And obviously, Belichick's team versus Brady's team. I mean, how much do you actually care on a scale of 0-5? I mean, for me, the I care about that, you know, is about a 2.5 on the I care scale. But, you know, I'll tune it in. I'll have it on in the background while I get ready for the week, lesson plans, grading, all that stuff. So who wins? I am pushing it all in on Tom Brady and the Bucks. I think just Tom Brady's knowledge of that complex defensive scheme in New England is just – so intimate. And Gronk's too, but as Erica told you before, Gronk is uh, officially, um, I, I think he's been downgraded. He has to be for out to that game. with Broken ribs. But Tom Brady's knowledge of how to pick apart that defense is just so intimate. There's n- I, there's nothing more that that defense can do that, that he hasn't seen. And then when you pair that with the Bucks having the personnel to break it, you know, you think about, like, I remember when I was playing basketball in high school, full court press. Okay. You have to break the full-court press, but you actually have to have the talent to do it, someone who's going to launch the ball long, et cetera, et cetera, right? So you have to be able to have the talent to do it, and, and the Bucks do have the guys that can break the Patriots' defense. I, I'm i going out on a limb here. I don't even think it's going to be close. I think I think it's the Bucks by a lot. So the trivia question I had, Brady, this weekend, is readying himself to become the fourth quarterback in NFL history, to defeat all 32 teams. Who are the other three? No Googling. Please don't. Don't Google. That takes the fun out of it. Sam from Melville thinks they know the answer. Sam, you're up on the fan. Hey, how's it going? Um, so the three quarterbacks, I, I promise you I didn't look this up. Okay. The three quarterbacks that first came to mind, mm-hmm. Peyton Manning. Yes. Brett Favre. Yes. And Steve Young. Nope, you're close. You want a mulligan? Oh, wow. You want to guess it? You want another one? 
Um, you got Manning, Peyton Manning. You got Brett Favre, and the third one, Kurt Warner. No. Oh. No. Oh. Dang. Oh. All right. All right. Well, Sam, I'm gonna let you go, and and I, I don't want to give it away yet. I want to see if there's yeah, any more yeah, calls thanks. coming in. Sam, thanks for thanks right, for playing. I appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate you calling course. in on Thank that. Thank you. Oh man, two good guesses. First, better than the, the second one, I think. But Tom Brady, if he becomes, if if he beats the Patriots, if his team beats the Patriots tomorrow on Sunday Night Football, he will become the fourth quarterback in NFL history to defeat all 32 teams. Sam got two of them. Two of the three other ones. Peyton Manning, yes. Brett Favre, yes. And Drew said it. I almost gave away the answer. Paul's picking up the phone now. Let's see if we got another guess. Let me go to the Twitter. Let's see. uh, Nobody is... Nobody's yet. Oh, we've got a guess here. Peyton Manning, Joe Montana, and Brett Favre. Two are correct. Two for three. That is a, uh, a 66 in my line of work, though. <laughs> um, someone asked, is this a, is this a serious poll? <laughs> my poll, of if the Yankees make it to the postseason series against the Rays, who wins? Uh, just a quick check of the results here while we, 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 we have a guess here. Uh, we do have a guess. Um, 81% of you guys think the Tampa Bay Rays win. And Richard Semper Gitulli asked, is this a serious poll? I mean, kind of. Kind of, sort of. Kind of. All right, let's see. Let's see if Steven and Jackson can get it. Steven, let me reiterate this to anybody getting in their cars right now. Tom Brady, if he wins on Sunday, can be the fourth quarterback to beat all 32 teams. Sam got two of them. Peyton Manning is one. Brett Favre is the second one. Who's the other one? Drew Brees. Everybody Drew. forgot he the Chargers. That's right. You got it, Stephen. Drew Brees. Exactly. So Brady will be joining those four. Who do you think wins the game? Belichick or Brady? Definitely Brady. It's just the the team is too too advanced right now for, you know, the young Patriots with uh, Matty Jones at quarterback. But, you know, he kind of reminds me of a young Tom Brady. Yeah. So I, I hope that uh, – you know, you see something about Tom giving him advice after the game, or I'm sure, you know, something along those lines. He has a similarity, especially body type. Body type, the way they, they the pocket presence, how they look in the pocket. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that. And I think, Absolutely. I think, Stephen, are you a Jet fan by any chance? Uh, I'm a Raiders fan. Oh, Raiders, so Las Vegas Raiders. Have you been to the stadium? It's beautiful. Not yet, but I really, really hope to. Well, you got to get out there, Stephen. And thanks for the call. I appreciate that. And you, you are the winner of just the, a, a virtual high five here, an air high five. So yeah, so Tom Brady, if he beats the Patriots Sunday on Sunday Night Football, everybody's going to be tuning in. He will join Drew Brees, Brett Favre, and Peyton Manning as the only four quarterbacks in the history of the NFL to beat all thirty-two teams. I think I think it's I think it's a win. I think it's easy. I think it's an easy win. And I think if you're a Jet fan, and what Stephen just the comparison he just made, I think if you're a Jet fan, that comparison between Mac Jones and Tom Brady, I, they look similar. They have similar builds, similar mannerisms in the pocket. Not quite so mobile. Mac Jones obviously younger, a little bit more mobile than Tom Brady. But I don't know. I just think I think if you're a Jet fan, you've got to be a little bit nervous. 
especially with Josh Allen running the entire division up there in Buffalo. I think the Bills, call me crazy, I think the Bills uh, are going to at least make the Super Bowl this year. I don't know if they'll win it. But I think I think they could definitely get there. And you guys know, uh, you know, when you talk about, you know, those great names, right? Those great names, uh, Breeze, all that. But but there's a few that we have here in New York that have only played on our New York teams. And, well, I don't want to give it away. But the New York Rangers have got something uh, extra special planned for uh, for one of their own, we'll say. We'll talk about that. And take more of your calls coming up at 877-337-6666. Be part of the show. Call the fan at 877-337-6666. Powered by Superbook. Better odds and favorable prices. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Ho. H to the OV. I used to move snowflakes by the OZ. I guess even back then you can call me CEO on the ROC. Welcome back to Danielle After Dark here on The Fan. Paul Rosenberg on the ones and twos. On the phones. Where my chain? So we, uh, we've had a quite a, uh, uh, I don't know the right word, but we've played, um, some house music tonight. We got some Jay Z tonight. We got a good mix of stuff. This is this is great. I love this. You need a good mix sometimes. Yeah. It's uh, often here. It's a lot of rock, mm-hmm. classic rock, which I love. Yeah. I love rock, classic rock, and punk. But nice to have a little bit of a you know a different taste every once in a while. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Keep it fresh. Keep it fresh. And guess what? We have some Bon Jovi coming up for you at uh at nine forty. You guys, Bon Jovi coming your way. I had a hunch we had Bon Jovi coming. <laughs> Was it a lucky guess? Hey, uh, Friday, January 28th, the Rangers take on the Minnesota Wild. It's the Henrik Lundqvist jersey retirement night. We'll take more of your calls coming up after this, you guys. Uh, 877-337-6666 or at Coach MCCARTAN. There are a lot of tweets coming in, you guys. I'm trying to keep up with all of them. It's hard. So cut me some slack a little bit, okay? Um, so if you're a big Rangers fan, big Henrik Lundqvist fan, Friday, January 28th, you're going to want to buy those tickets. The ceremony starts at 6.30 p.m. Puck drop is at 8. And if you can't, they actually, they're going to show it on uh, MSG Network, the whole pregame ceremony, the Henrik Lundqvist retirement night, you know. But I just feel like the, this date selection, and were we talking about this? We might have been. We weren't. It was me and somebody else. But the date selection, I think, was a big missed opportunity by the Rangers because, like, no offense, but, like, what? significance do the Minnesota Wild bear on the life and the career of Henrik Lundqvist? I mean, he's from what Sweden. He played his entire career as a Ranger, except for when he signed that one-year, $1.5 million contract with the Capitals. Now, I know he didn't play a single game with them, but, you know, if they're going to wait till January 28th, they might as well just wait till February 24th because that's when the Capitals come to the Garden. That would have made a ton of sense for both worlds. Also, that game's a Thursday night, and the Dolans could have sold the place out and packed it to the rafters on a weeknight, rather than the usual packed house Friday night crowd. So I think it was definitely a, a, a missed opportunity, I think. But anyway, that should not take away from the illustrious career that Kendrick Lunk was had here in New York. I mean, he, while he was never able to capture that Stanley Cup, it really shouldn't take away from his historically good play in net for the Rangers over 15 seasons he was with them. Like, when you look at the top, you know, all-time list for the Rangers, especially in the in goal for for goaltenders. 
He's there. He's got the most wins. He's got the best save percentage. And he's played the most games as a goaltender for the team. And remember, this is an original team. This is not like a, a Vegas Golden Knights team. Like they just came into the league. The Rangers have been around since the 1926-1927 season. So I think that's quite impressive. So when you talk about those New York athletes, the Derek Jeters, the Eli Mannings, who just had his number 10 retired last week at MetLife Stadium, the obvious name in that same sentence is Henrik Lundqvist. And like those other two guys, Lundqvist, number 30, will be retired and will hang from the rafters at the Garden forever. So here, here's one thing, just a little flavor I wanted to bring in here. I talked with Henrik Lundqvist one-on-one in February of 2018. And I asked then if he would ever consider leaving New York to pursue a Stanley Cup elsewhere. He started with an emphatic no, and then he continued on. Um, the audio is a little hard. We were in an ice rink, okay? But um, see if you can get it. This is me in February of 2018 asking Henrik Lundqvist, it's short, five seconds, six seconds, if he would ever consider leaving New York to pursue a Stanley Cup elsewhere. I love every second being here part of this organization and, and uh, so my goal is to stay here. Yeah, my goal is to stay here. Hey, we got a little skipping on here. It's okay. Uh, I, he loves every second of playing for the Rangers and, uh, is, you know, so he's he's a quintessential Ranger. Great guy. Awesome, by the way. Uh, one-on-one with that. That was so cool. Um, thanks to Pro Camps for that, by the way. All those years ago. They've been taking good care of me over the years. All right, we'll go back to your calls. 877-337-6666. Julian in Oakland, New Jersey, which is my neck of the woods. You're up on the fan, Julian. Hey, how's it going, Danielle? Thanks so much for taking my call oh, up the show. Um, a lot of great points. The thing with Tyone, I think he almost is like an opener. I think they'd be lucky if he goes three or four. I don't want him to see the Lions a second time. And this team has been so inconsistent. I went to the game today. It's really gut-wrenching, but I'll be right back tomorrow hoping they can get a win. And then with Gary Sanchez, you know what? Yeah, he's got to go. It would be $8 million if they bring him back. I think they can non-tender him, but would they just let him walk like that? I guess that remains up in the air. No, they would not and let that- him walk. They, they should trade him. But, again, the question is who wants a, a, a lame duck catcher who is not a great catcher in, in their walk here? No one. No one wants it. They waited too long. Yeah, I think you're right. And then the other thing I was going to say was that that bullpen management yesterday, what were your thoughts on that in the ninth inning? Uh, why wasn't why was Chapman not in that game in the ninth inning? He is the closer. I know it's an adventure every time he takes the mound. I get it. But why would you rely on a guy with exactly thirty six innings of major league experience this year uh, to to in in the most pivotal part not only of the game but but in the Yankee season? It was win and in, and they've got a Brayu on the mound instead of I don't know anybody else. I I don't understand. Yeah, there's a lot of questionable decisions. Um, it's like I said, it's been a crazy season, and Chapman would have been the right guy there. You'd have to try to win the game yesterday. I think it's set a bad tone for today, too, and the teams are in a day sleepwalks than they did today. Yeah. Montgomery had a lame start, which he really hasn't had, but, yeah, the killer instinct just isn't there. Like They just always play for tomorrow. It just makes no sense. Now there's no tomorrows left. Those are running out quickly. Yeah, right, right. Julian, and thanks for the call there. No tomorrows left. I mean, they're going to have a bunch of it's, – it's, Winning in on Saturday, okay? Winning in on Sunday. Oh, we're playing a playing game on on Monday, and, and then a, a wild card. It's just ridiculous. I, I, it's it's an emo, it takes an emotional toll on you as a player. It takes a um, you know, it, it's 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 it takes a toll on you. 
to having to, to keep playing these must-win games. And literally, they are must-win games. You got Jamison Tyone taking the mound tomorrow with against the Rays. He's got almost a seven ERA. That to me, and, and he's coming off the, the second ankle injury. I mean, this is his first start after the second time he hurt his ankle. That to me d- doesn't sound like a recipe for success. So it's, it almost sounds to me like, okay, the Yankees are going to concede the fact that they're going to play a game on Monday. And if they get a, a, a great performance from Jamison Tyone, well, then that's just, the, you know, the bonus, a little bonus. From Jamison Tyone. They cannot have a long leash for Jamison Tyone. I mean, you saw what happened today. I mean, the Yankees, they didn't even go out and, and have a mound visit with Montgomery after that three-run home run, after the second three-run home run. There was no mound visit. He was on his own. That's not right. Forget about taking him out. They didn't even go out and visit him. That's not right. Th- that was, again, too long of a leash. Maybe you go out there. I mean, he clearly looked fl- I don't even... He, I'm not his coach. You know, there's sometimes when your players that give you like a little signal, you know, like oh, they're in trouble. I'm not his coach. You, he, we were watching him like this on on, on TV. <sighs> like a, <sighs> he could he, he, exhaling. He couldn't figure it out after the first home run. Uh, after the second home run, and then after the home run to Zunino, seven one game over, man. Game was over after the second Lau home run. That leash cannot be that long. Tomorrow, when Tyone's pitching, because guess what? The Yankees only mustered four hits today. Four! These Yankees, four hits. Yeah. Believe it or not. Crazy. Let's go to Steve in Boca Raton, Florida. You're up next on the fan. Hey, Danielle, let me just preface the Yankee comment by saying I went to Ramsey High School, so I'm a transplant. A lot of South Floridians down here, of course, are from North Jersey, so... Um, you're you're very well listened to. I listen on the Odyssey app on my iPhone, so Thanks, you do man. a great job. Really enjoy what you're on. But I wanted to just tell you what you already know. First instinct is, all right, bench the guy. I'm talking about Torres. When you don't run it out, I played high school ball. I yes. play and I follow it. I love the game. And my, I'm older. I'm 55, so I'm of that school of, hey, you know what? You bench that guy. But we're going to need him. I, I talked to a good friend of mine. We probably... You probably you got to yell at him or talk to him in the dugout or you know after the game. And, and he knows he knows better, of course. This is Zanino when he threw him out at first, not for not hustling. Yeah, that's a terrible look. But we need his bat. We unfortunately have injuries. Look mm-hmm. at EJ with the hip and the groin. So the problem is you need the guy. You got to and maybe he can spark. You got to talk to him like a man. Boone's got to just talk to him, and she's going to or has already, and say, look, we need you, man. Tomorrow, that's it. It's it's like that Rocky movie. What did he say? Danielle, there is no tomorrow. You know what? Tomorrow. You're going to kill me, but I haven't right? seen I haven't seen Rocky, and I know I'm going to get a lot of angry oh, tweets it's, now. I know. It's Talia Shire. It's okay, Danielle. Look it up. Talia Shire, uh, which you know, the wife says to him, there is no tomorrow, Rocky. And he goes in there, and he does the fight. You've got to fire them up. He's got to somehow, it doesn't matter what happened today or in the past, and I don't expect much either. I'm a huge fan, but I don't expect them to beat Tampa. So I'm, I'm with you. But, you know, if you want to be, if you're a fan at heart, you want to see a win tomorrow and get to that game, whichever, yeah. whatever freaking tiebreaker, however they're going to deal this thing out. Yeah. I mean, this is just madness for all these teams. Seattle has no – Seattle's playing with house money. Some of these teams like that, they have so many guys that are going no place. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you one more thing before you cut me off? Yeah. For your choice, shortstop next year. You got your choice. I want you to hear what you think. Mm-hmm. Seager, I like him. I like the guy from Colorado. Like, we need a shortstop catcher. 
we can't get rid of him. Sanchez says, unfortunately, he's going to have to stay. He's an American League team at DH. But what do you think about shortstop? I can listen to your comment off the air if you want to, if you cut me off. But I think I like the kid from Colorado. That's yeah. the guy I would go for. Okay. Great question there, Steve. And wait, before I let you go, do you know um, yeah. Ramsey, uh, either the Schwartz's, Schwartz, last name, basketball coach? Uh, um, not sure. It's been a while. I've been out since 96, so I'm a little bit older than you. Okay. Schwartz. All right. But uh, just... big fans. I grew up in Paramus and then Ramsey High School and Susquehanna University out there, the great Crusaders in Pennsylvania, Division Three. So, uh, yeah, this is what I – you're doing what I would love to do for for a living. It's talking sports on the radio. I love it. I sell sugar for a living instead for Domino. So I'm a big fan, salesman and sports fan, avid fan, and you, you are doing a great job. I wanted to say that. Terrific uh, job. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate that. Okay, so my choice, he gave me a choice between Trevor Story or Corey Seager at shortstop for the Yankees next year. This was a multiple yeah. choice. It's 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 A or B. It's Seager or Story. Trevor Story bats right, Corey Seager bats left. Their batting averages, Trevor Story has a little bit lower of a batting average than Seager. I mean, I think I said it how many how many a while ago, it's Corey Seager for me. You'd have to look at the contract, though. See, this this is if money's not an object, right? But you got to look at the contract money and all that. You know, I'm sure Corey Seager would come at a premium. I'm picking Corey Seager over uh, Trevor Story for sure. Now that's me. I also don't have a budget. <laughs> I also don't have a luxury tax threshold that I that I don't want to go over if I'm Hal Steinbrenner. So that's that's the other thing too. This Yankees team, they are so hell-bent on staying underneath that luxury tax threshold that look at what the Dodgers are doing. They blew right by it, the Dodgers did. And they are in a prime position to win yet another World Series. And at the trade deadline, they went out and got Scherzer and Turner. I mean, they just keep building upon building upon building. The Dodgers, I mean... Looking green with envy at the LA Dodgers are the Yankees, I think, right now. Blow past that that I mean the time they should have done it this season, which I said it. They should have done it this season. Blow past the luxury tax threshold, like the Dodgers, and reinsert yourself into the dominant conversation in Major League Baseball. You're the Yankees for crying out loud. Let's go KC in Bradley Beach, New Jersey. You're up on the fan. Hey, Daniel, how you doing? You're doing a great job. Thank I love you. listening to you. Thanks. You're welcome. I was just a couple of quick things I was wondering. Well, first of all, I think the Cardinals are going to beat the Dodgers. I think the yes. Cardinals are playing like out of their minds right uh, now. I don't know. I think uh, the pitching is better for the Dodgers. And when it comes to the postseason, pitching is always so important. Well, you got Wainwright pitching probably against who, who's starting for the Dodgers in that game? You think Bueller? Mm, or I, Scherzer, say, I guess, right? Mm, I don't know. See, that's the thing. See, wait, can I just pause you right there? And I'll let you finish. But that's the thing with the Dodgers. Who's it going to be? Bueller or Scherzer? Who's it going to be for the Yankees? Tyone or Cole? Like, or yeah, there's a, such a drop off <laughs> behind Cole. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. I don't know. I don't know. It's up but, to them, I guess. I would start. Well, I would probably start if, Scherzer. If the um. If the Yankees tie with Toronto and they have to do a play-in, say Boston wins tomorrow, the Yankees lose, Toronto wins, and they got the one-game play-in with Toronto, mm -hmm. where would that game be? Would that be in Toronto or would that be in New York? I believe it's at the team who has the higher winning percentage, you know, uh, um, I think. 
because I think they would both have the same record. So would it be head to head? I guess then. Yes, and then the Yankees are eight and eleven against the Blue Jays. So therefore, Ooh, if so it's that would be in Toronto. Right. Wow, mm-hmm. which sucks. And, <laughs> and then I just have one last question for you because I'm interested in your opinion on this. Who do you think is going to win the NL MVP? <sighs> NL MVP. Um, dude, I don't know. It's like a toss-up this year. I'm looking at, you know, thinking of either Austin Riley maybe or Ted, I guess they would give it to Tatis, right? But, I, I, mean, I mean, he's the front runner. He's the name, you know. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I guess default I'd have to pick Tatis, right? Is it Soto? Is it Harper? Is it Tatis? Yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a, that's, a, that's a tough call. That's going to be the most interesting award, I think, in the postseason. Yeah, I think you're right. The, the but, most uh, the most non-clear-cut award, I think. I think they're yeah. going to give it to Tatis. I just have a feeling. I don't know. Well, I hope so, from your lips to God's ears, because I bet him at Mammoth Park this year. So. <laughs> what odds did you get him at? I'm sorry. I got him at a good odds. I got him at 15-1 to 1 at the beginning of the year. Guess what? I have it on the AL side. I got Shohei Otani at, like... No way. Yes, I put... <laughs> I, I I put five dollars down and I should I'm kicking myself I should have put oh more. Oh God! Five dollars. What was his, what was what was he? So, Thirty to one. If I if I my five dollars now turns into a hundred and five dollars. Oh, that's nice, nice. Right, that's a good return on investment. Yeah, I'd say. Yeah, very nice. <laughs> yeah. So well, have, have a great night. It was great talking to you. Thanks, Casey. I appreciate that. Right. Bye bye. I think I think that's a good return on investment. I didn't want to say it. I didn't want to jinx it because every time I get out of here, I say something. And I tell you guys what I did, and then it's like, ah, just fell just short. But I did. I put, I plunked five, $5 down on Shohei Otani. Because my thought process, and I should have put more, was if he didn't get hurt last season, he probably would have won it last season. That's my guess. And Shohei Otani has been doing things. And I know Aaron Judge is in the conversation. I know it. I, I get it. He's been great for the Yankees. But, I mean, Shohei Otani, no one can do what he's doing. He's he, as a pitcher. I mean, nine and two, three point one eight ERA, over forty five home runs. I mean, it, it's just I would be shocked if Shohei Otani does not win AL MVP. I would actually be really shocked, and then I'd be out five dollars. <laughs> so I, I should have put more, and I'm kicking myself that I didn't. But um, with all this losing going on around here, it got me thinking. Which New York football team will win a game first? Will it be the New York Jets or will it be the New York Giants? I think it's a a real legitimate question. And I'm going to put that poll up on Twitter. We'll discuss our thoughts on that coming right up. This is your last chance to get aboard my show tonight. Chris McMonagle is coming your way at 10 p.m. And by the way, the results are in. If the Yankees make it to the postseason against the Rays, who wins? 81% 81% of you guys are voting the Tampa Bay Rays. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. So, well, let's weigh in. Who wins first or gets their first win? The Jets or the Giants? I'll throw the poll up right now. And 877-337-6666 is the number to weigh in as well. The fan is on your smart speaker to listen to the home of New York sports. Just say, hey, Siri, play WFAN. I just might call that fan the gypsies. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to Danielle After Dark here on The Fan. 
Bon Jovi to close us out tonight. This is your last chance to get aboard. 877-337-6666. I'm going to channel my inner Bon Jovi here. Talk about our New York football teams. There's not a whole lot of leaving going on here. There's a whole lot of losing going on. And if you're a fan of either the Jets or the Giants, you're probably doing a little schedule checking and wondering where on earth the first win for either team is going to come from. Yeah, if you want to get, I put a 10-minute poll up. There are four minutes left in it, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. I asked, this is a legitimate question. Who gets their first win first, the Jets or the Giants? I don't want to sway you at all in these next four minutes, but the Giants have the third toughest strength of schedule remaining in the league. And the Saints, their opponent this weekend, tomorrow, the Saints are listed in their list of toughest opponents. Are the Giants legitimately good enough to beat the Saints without Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard? I don't think so, but that's why they play the game, right? I did my own schedule checking for the Giants, and I do not see a chance to really legitimately win a game for the Giants until November 28th against the Eagles. And then conversely, on the flip side, the Jets have the sixth easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. And I did my own little schedule checking for the Jets, and I think they have the first legitimate chance to win a game next weekend, October 10th, against the Falcons. So here's my vote. If I had to vote in my own poll, as crazy as this sounds, as anemic as the Jets look on offense, but also taking into consideration the calendar and the opponents of each team on that calendar, I think the Jets win a game before the Giants do. Especially because Blake Martinez is done for the year. Slayton and Shepard are the top two Giants receivers. They're going to miss some time with hamstring injuries. Even when they come back, hamstrings are very tricky. And it's early. And the Giants have not yet used and will not use through week four the same offensive line combination week to week yet. Maybe you're an eternal optimist. Here's the bright side to all the losing going on here in New York through the eve of week four of the 2021 NFL season, the draft order. Right now, the number two overall pick belongs to the Jets, and the number five overall pick belongs to the Giants. Never too soon, is it? And right now, if you guys are going to at CoachMCCARTAN on Twitter, we've got 73 votes in in eight minutes. That's great. Two minutes left. 67% of you guys think the Giants are going to get their first win. And at Shell Daddy says, maybe they'll make some actual running plays for Daniel Jones so he can break out. Yeah, maybe. Get a little more creative in the offensive play calling. Maybe. And they continue on to say the Giants have actually been in games before getting a penalty, dropping picks, et cetera, and knocking themselves out of contention. Sure. But just when you look at the teams that they have to go up against, I think the Jets have it just a little bit easier based on the strength of schedule of their opponents. Let's go to Charlie in... Mill Basin? Charlie, where is Mill Basin? That's in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. A little, little, a little town off Flatbush Avenue. Gotcha. Well, welcome to the How show. How are you, Maggie? I'm, I'm Danielle. I'm not Maggie. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Danielle. Come on, Charlie. I'm a first-time caller to the show. I, I usually it. call the boys at night. Appreciate um, it. I'm a Yankee fan, and the season ticket done over. I don't sweat. I think the Yankees will win tomorrow. I'm going to ask you another one, and I want to hear what you have to say. Okay. I think the Giants 
I really do think they're going to win. Because I'm a Giants fan, I'm not a better. I just think the Giants are due to win tomorrow. My gut feeling tells me it's going to be an upset. The Giants will have a victory. But let's talk about the Jets. I don't think they're going to win, Danielle. I don't think they're going to win. No. What do you think? All right. Uh, Charlie, you sound very confident in the Yankees. Give me one reason why that they're going to win tomorrow. I've been rooting for them since 1976. I remember the Boston Massacre in 78 when we were 14 games down. I think we're going to win tomorrow. But I'm going to tell you something about Tampa. They're a very classy organization. They know how to spend their money in the right place. I don't know who runs the team. They know how to play hard. Timely hitting, good pitching. It's, it's, it's amazing for me. Yeah. The way that team is constructed is amazing, Yankees, right? Yeah. Everybody don't like the Yankees, the big, bad Yankees. I think, I, for some reason, they're going to win. I, that's my gut feeling as a Yankee fan. Okay. And then you're so confident in the Giants without their top two, arguably. I understand this. This is going to be a miracle. I know the Saints <laughs> have our number over the years. They don't have the breeze. Uh, we have we have tight ends. We have a running back that should explode tomorrow. I'm hoping and praying Wait like every it. other Giant fan. Yeah. Wait and the Jets, the Jets are our little sisters, and the Jets are struggling. They should have never gave up on the quarterback they had. Yeah. That's going to take the Panthers for the playoffs, and all the Jets fans are going to cry. But I'm a New Yorker, just like you are, I hope, and I'm rooting for New York. What That's do you right. think? Charlie, I, I, I am with you. Thanks, Charlie, for the call. I am with you. I root for New York. That is that is true. You're, you're hoping for, uh, you know, the Saints were part of their own miracle, the, the miracle in Minneapolis. They were on the wrong side of it. So you're thinking, you're hoping that the Giants are going to have a, a miracle in New Orleans. Okay, potentially, maybe. But how many times do we have to say, this is the game that Saquon Barkley is going to break out? Oh, no, no, actually, it's this one. Oh, actually, it's going to be tomorrow. Who knows? I mean, Daniel Jones has 30 more rushing yards on the ground rushing yards than their running back, Saquon Barkley. Daniel Jones has more yards per carry than their running back, Saquon Barkley, to the tune of, like, double. Like, double. And the poll just closed, just now. Results are are in. Who gets their first win first? 70% of you guys say the Giants. I disagree. I, I look at the strength of schedule. I don't know. I, I, listen, I, I, I want to be wrong. I want to be wrong when I say the Giants are going to lose tomorrow. I want to be wrong when I say the Jets lose tomorrow. It's just, I don't know. I don't see a path to victory unless Jameis Winston absolutely is, is awful. Awful, awful Jameis Winston. Who knows? You never know what you're going to get with him, actually. You really don't. And this whole the worst part for me personally about this whole Yankees-Rays thing going on this weekend is my cousin, my cousin that lives in Florida, my cousin that's a Rays fan, text me at, I'm looking at it, 10.07 this morning with a Kevin Kiermeyer. I call it a GIF. A Kevin Kiermeyer GIF. No words, just that. And he said, the Yanks better win at least one. And then later in the game, he said, not looking good. Okay, Captain Obvious. No, it's not looking good. They're losing 7-1. And then this is a graphic he sent me from his TV last night. He took a picture of his TV. Basically stating on their, like their Yes Network, their Bally Sports Network, that the Tampa Bay Rays have absolutely dominated the Yankees Yankees at Yankee Stadium since the year 2020. Now it's 12 wins to the Yankees' three. Two sweeps. They're going for their third tomorrow. Yankees have zero. They've almost doubled—the Rays have almost doubled the Yankees' run production— 
at their own stadium. It's just ridiculous. I'll tweet this out. I could picture from my cousin. Ah. Well, thanks to all the callers. I could not have done this without you. I love coming here and talking with you guys. If you missed any portion of today's show, hit that Odyssey Rewind feature and select the start of the show, 6 p.m. Great job to Paul Rosenberg tonight. Behind the glass. Also to Erica Herskowitz. Greg Caserta in studio on the updates. And I will be back with you guys on Saturday, 1 p.m. Saturday, 1 p.m. I think it's a four-hour show. You guys mark it down. I am chucking up the alley-oop to C-Mac. Chris McMonagle, he is here. He's ready to slam it down with you guys next on The Fan. In the meantime, you guys hit my social media channels at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And let's keep the conversation going. I will see you guys Saturday next week, hopefully without my trumpet for the Yankees. On the one line, the fan. The fan.